the moment I forget what an NFT was, my brain just cracked in half a little bit. Like it, I, NFTs make me fundamentally angry. Like cryptocurrency to begin with, like I find, like I, I get the appeal of it as someone who bought into it initially. I, I understand it. I, it's, it's whatever. Increasingly, I'm like, yeah, this is a nightmare, and it should have just been for drugs and illegal shit. But <laughs> what, what, whatever. Like, what, what the fuck do I know? I guess at the same time, though, too, it's NFTs are like, okay, so it's a certified JPEG, yeah, and you do that via blockchain, yeah. Does blockchain technology even mean anything anymore? Like, can I just slap blockchain into a Tamagotchi and like suddenly it has intrinsic value because blockchain's involved? No, but I'm pretty sure if I said that the right way, yes. Yeah, it's it's weird territory. I mean, NFTs, yeah, it's it's stamp collecting except it's like less than that. I could take a stamp and and lick it and throw it on a fucking envelope yeah. and then I could actually use it. Yeah. Can't can't fucking do that with an NFT. NFT is just this digital print which I suppose has a sort of like uh, seal of, or like some sort of seal of authenticity via the blockchain number that it's associated with, but it's like it's it's real weird what people give value to. I oh mean, yeah, no, I all values for the most part is pretty fucking arbitrary. But yeah. NFT like NFT value is even more arbitrary than most. I would say. Oh, like, oh no, no! Especially the fact that they're high value. The high, what I'm saying, the high value of them. Yeah, explaining NFTs to my wife, who is a graphic designer by trade, she wanted to punch me by the end of it. <laughs> Rightfully so. That's the correct response to anyone explaining NFTs to someone. You should just punch them in the throat with as many rings as possible. Like you should go out and buy just like a ring that covers all your hands, like a power fist or something, and just punch the person talking about NFTs in the throat with all of your force. That's what talking about NFTs deserves. Yeah, it's 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 just bizarre. Yeah, I mean, like for even for people who do graphic design and do like game art specifically, which a lot of it is is happens to be game art, which is why like Squeenix, I suppose, is getting into it. It, Yeah, like fucking reason. It's one of those ones where it's like if you have multiple years of beloved art to throw into this, why the fuck wouldn't you? Like. they have a lot of like the you know the low res art you know yeah. which you know from making sprites for you know decades now I suppose yeah like they have I guess they have plenty of art assets just to throw at it and, and then they can basically sell which I suppose that's what they're going to do ultimately they're going to sell them off sell off these commemorative coins that's the other thing that it reminds me of commemorative coins, actually more so than stamps. Because like I said, stamps I could use, in theory. Commemorative coins have no value at fucking all other than the metal they're made still from. Still more use than NFT, though, because I can throw a commemorative coin at pigeons still. I cannot throw an NFT at someone unless I put it in a flash you could, you drive. Could, you could throw commemorative coins at people who own NFTs. You could! Maybe that's the correct way of dealing with NFT people. Throwing commemorative coins at them. Finally a use for my America dollar. And and commemorative plates. Hey, you know what? Those those fly really well. And you can smash them and just fuck someone up by stabbing them with it a bunch of times. But yeah, no. I, 
we're obviously going to have two things happen. One, Capcom is going to make a like animation flipbook of NFTs that you can like click through real quick to like see some idle image. That's the obvious next step for some game companies to get into if they have a bunch of Don't fighting give games. them fucking ideas, dude. Yeah. The other obvious one is we're going to have like virus NFTs out there of people that mm. like sell off big name NFTs and injected some nefarious code into that shit and they're like Yes, you have my art, but now I Which, have your system and my art back. Like, that's what I want to see. That's some cyberpunk shit at that point. And that's actually pretty easy to do. I mean, all right, so you can hide code within a JPEG yeah. actually very easily and then have it, at, like, like execute. Like, that's actually, like, not beyond the realm of belief at all. I want full circle where someone buys an NFT of a QR code, that, that QR code that when a security camera looks at it because they have it on like a TV or something, takes it to like a black site or something, and then the entire system goes down, and then like one thief shows up and just steals the real world stuff. It's like, ha-ha! For the price of a $5 NFT, I have stolen all of this real bullshit! Like, act- things of actual worth. Yes. Things that I could break other things with if I so choose. Ha-ha! And then the insurance company's like, well, if it just been NFTs, we could copy and paste these back in, but we don't insure real items anymore, just NFTs. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, you have an NFT of like a tiny bit-style bit Mona Lisa, and you use that to bring down the Louvre's uh, security system and steal the actual Mona Lisa. That would make me so goddamn happy. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Wicked Awesome Cast, episode 241. And today we are down, down a man. And it is just me, Kraken Zero, aka Henry, along with Mordak, aka Charlie. Yeah, we were even, even like with the chance of having a guest this week, we somehow still wind up down a person because the guest is until <laughs> next week, and Alex is out. Shadow Realm jokes or whatever. I don't, I don't know. I've I've given up. I'm embracing the Shadow Realm jokes. We're just going with them, I guess. Uh, I think you're embracing them in case a worse joke doesn't enter next time. You're not wrong. I'm not going to lie to you on that one. Like the Shadow Realm, at least has a Yu-Gi-Oh attachment to it, and as much as I like. As an adult hate Yu-Gi-Oh, Yu-Gi-Oh was a not insignificant part of my childhood at one point. Like, I played that fucking card game. That show was dumb, but that card game was the cooler version of Magic the Gathering, and then it wasn't. It went back to Magic being the cooler version of Magic the Gathering, but for, like, (laughs) nine weeks, Yu-Gi-Oh was cooler. But, yeah, no. Podcast. (laughs) Shadow Realm. uh, Hi, welcome. So, what have you been up to this week? Uh, so I I played some games actually. I I I'm back into Destiny two a little bit. I kind of did some catching up mm. this week. It's some stuff's going on. Like I'm playing through that game. I the not annou- trials uh, <laughs> actually maybe trials later today because they like, I'm not sure if it's banned again right now or not. But there was the glitchery enabled where if you just threw yourself off the map, you can make meaningful progress. And my clan was all into that idea again because. Mm. As a clan, we're kind of raiding focused with a slight like passion for Gambit and just general kind of PvE and lore stuff. 
we have a couple PvP players, but mostly we have a bunch of old fuckers like me that play Destiny 1 that remember just how un- like unbelievably toxic and bad Trials was back then, and Trials in Destiny 2 is so much worse in a lot of ways. Mm. Uh, and like when they announced they were bringing Trials back, we all sat there and laughed and laughed and the young people that were like, oh, Trials is coming back. I'm not going to do Trials. We're like, oh, you won't get to do Trials. Why? Trials sucks. And all of us just remember won't play it willingly unless there's a really good reason to. And then Trials came back and we all threw our heads back and laughed and we're like, Trials still sucks. Like, there was a week when it didn't and then Trials happened and yeah, it was back to PDOS attacks and people that you should not be matched up against in any sane skill-based matchmaking system and a variety of other things, but yeah, that's enough about Destiny 2. I have fallen in love with a mobile game that I'm kind of, Ooh. I'm not sure how I feel about this one, but I've played an awful lot of it in the last week, so I think I probably should talk about it at least. I, it's, as far as I know, by no means new. I've, I, I've had some downtime, I guess, lately or something. I've, I've had the need to get back into idle clickers. The my passion for that thing has still lived on. Like, there's been a good idle clicker in a long time, and I found myself on a website that's like, here are the best ten idle clickers you can play right now, and I found myself in AFK Arena, a game that I'm sure I've seen spammed on a bunch of social media platforms at me or something like that, and at the start of a bunch of YouTube videos is what they, whoever's bringing you that video type of situation, and I was definitely ignoring it up until I gave it a shot, and as far as slightly gougy mobile games that are definitely kind of a hybrid between a um, idle clicker and a auto battler, I have a lot of fun with it. Not gonna lie, it's 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 neat. I'm not gonna call it a good game, but I I have more fun with it. Than I was prepared to have with it. The character designs are good enough. The kind of flow of it's pretty good. Uh, the gouginess of it you definitely can avoid if you're just patient, which is the big lesson of idle clickers, I guess, which is do your stuff and then don't play it for eight hours again, then come back and do your stuff again, or like check on it between yep. meetings or during a really boring meeting or something like that. Like that's 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 you're not supposed to play an idle clicker constantly. That's a fool's error. And you're supposed to check on it like once every four hours when you've made actual progress and then stuff and I I guess I'm mostly impressed by just how much stuff is in this game to do like if it was just the straightforward kind of campaign auto battler thing they got going on i'd have been fine with this thing i might not be i might not play as much of it but then on top of that they have like a gladiator mode which is pvp and this like a uh, ranking tower thing that it's all the same game at the end of the day which is repackaged in different modes that while you're waiting to make progress in one you can go do the other ones and be active in that like the labyrinth thing they've got going on i think is a good touch to that game because it does feel like you're making progress and you're not really making progress especially when you hit a wall in the main campaign of it you're just like yep i gotta grind for eight hours so what do i do in the meantime let's run this labyrinth or this weird candy crush knockoff that's built into this game for god knows what reason i (laughs) yeah the, the entire game revolves around way too many currencies as is typical of this type of game uh the most important of them is diamonds, which is what you use to unlock new characters, and then everything else is like upgrade materials for your character's gear and other stuff, and you can absolutely buy diamonds, but the game's also generous enough that it, I'm not going to say every 
day you can do a full buy of 10 or that they're like currently at least they're running a discount where you can get i think it's like 10 for a 10% off if you save up for it or you can just get a new one at every 300 diamonds and i have successfully i think every day gotten that 10 pack of new characters most of the characters are garbage but they have a whole like you can merge characters into better char- versions of them and stuff and I, now that i'm getting better at the party composition you have five fighters you want like a tank line a mage character or two and an assassin just to get in there and fuck people up behind the back lines of it i it is more fun than i thought it was going to be i thought this like of the like nine idol clickers i downloaded as part of this thing this is the one i've definitely thought was the best and have had the most fun that i've actually connected with and put some not money but actual time into it just because it's Mm. pretty enough and the art style's fine it's got kind of a Skullgirls vibe to the art for it, I guess. Like, definitely not that, but it invokes that in some ways, and it's got personality, like the fact that the army, the characters you can get from it are broken down into four or five tropes, and one of those tropes is just people that are way into H.P. Lovecraft work, so it's like, hey, it's the Frankenstein <laughs> monster, and Goth Girl, and other Frankenstein monster that's a mage somehow, and vampire knight and their logo is just a goddamn neon green eye staring at you and i'm like yeah fuck it cool i'll play with i'll play with these goth characters but this damn pixie i got that i hate looking at but she puts people to sleep in combat so she's real goddamn good they'll be on the same team and yeah i'll have this centaur show up and bash people's skulls in for me yeah it's yeah my party composition right now is this uh Falcon Mage, an ogre that can, like, I think it's called Ogie, technically, that, like, puts an invincibility bubble around him. The, uh, the assassin kind of, like, backstabby lady for the Call of Cthulhu crowd. A centaur, literally, that I don't know the name of. He just hits stuff really good for me. And a bard <laughs> with, a, like, a harp. And it's doing okay for me. I, I Again, I have had more fun with this than I ever thought I was going to getting into. Like, it has all the vibe of we're here to be an impactful set of paywalls to make you shill out money for this. And it's mm-hmm. not not that, but kind of like you've said in the past with your All-Stars game, as long as you're like patient and not like compulsive about it, you can have plenty of fun with this and just kind of make progress. And the fights you get to watch when you're doing them, you can put them into auto mode and kind of do 2x speed. They're fun enough to watch. It's a good battery waster. You feel good when your team wins and does their victory animation. You're like, yeah, we won! When you lose, you're like, oh, we lost because we went to something way too high a level for us. Shit. And it's it's got some of the MOBA backbone of, like, here are the character classes, here are their roles, like, here's how you should be using them, and there's some synergies that at high level, I'm sure, are more important than they are at my level, but for now, I'm just having fun with it. It's a good, like, jump in for five minutes and forget about it for four hours and jump back in for five minutes game. And, again, I'm surprised that of, like, the nine idle clickers I downloaded this is the one I'm going with because it had all the signs of you want to play a random anime bullshit mobile game? We got one for you. But no, it's surprisingly okay. Yeah, AFK Arena. It's fine. It's free. Go check it out if you want. Uh, I may make a clan in it once I can like be diamond rich in that game and not be worried about constantly hoarding them for new characters. I also watched the first episode of uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. I like it. Uh, in the same way that kind of WandaVision was cool, where it took the Marvelverse and made it feel human, seeing one of the few black American protagonists in the MCU 
kind of come face to face with, yeah, not the Avengers aren't so active and like some shit's gone down. Uh, the rest of the year when you're not doing Avengers shit, you get treated shittily because you're a minority in this country. And we're going to have to do a story about that. I think it's kind of cool to see the show be about that, actually. Yeah. Uh, and it's, I'm just glad that the Falcon is getting basically the, I think they're, definitely planning on, like, the Falcon's just going to be the next Captain America. Yeah, they're definitely building up to that. The fact that they fucking busted out, uh, God, what's his name? The fake Captain America, the... U.S. US agent. Yes, the fact that he came out, like, strong. It's like, oh, yeah, you suck. Like, comes out wearing, like, SWAT gear, and you're like, oh, sucky Captain America, got it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. the show starts off with uh, Falcon giving over the shield and being like, yeah, I don't feel like doing this. Then the U.S. government being like, we made a new Captain America. That's it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it from the from the uh, seeing the. I even talked about it, like from seeing the previews. I was like, they're doing the nomad and uh, U.S. agent storyline, yeah. where yeah, I'm like, that's cool. Like it's yeah. it's it came and this thing is like that was timely for the that era because it was. Uh, basically, Captain America literally was disaffected by like the government and the actions of the government. Didn't feel like they were hold- holding up to like what he felt were American ideals. So he gave up the shield, became nomad, and the you know the uh, it was super patriot or something called like that became the new Captain America and would later become U.S. agent. But yeah, yeah, I, I'm really I'm excited. I haven't I haven't watched it. But I'm excited that they're rolling with that storyline because I think that it's there again. Like that type of storyline is very timely, and the fact that they're going to have Falcon basically have a have have a nomad <laughs> a, a, a nomad time the is fact going to be that the first cool. episode opens up. It doesn't open up. Open up. Like in the first ten minutes, you have him and his family trying to figure out how to pay some goddamn bills because Falcon was legally dead for five years by all measures. Like, mm-hmm. I, they touched on it in WandaVision. This show's gonna be more about it, I think, but the whole, like, the reality of what life was like during the blip, a thing that, like, intellectually we knew happened and, like, seemed like a fucking nightmare for a lot of people but never really is acknowledged in the movie is grounds for some very interesting discussion i think especially with the mcu characters given that like a bunch of them were indeed gone and have Mm -hmm. basically the memory of i was around and then i wasn't and then i was back and don't have anything that happened to those five years you have a bunch of characters that dealt with the fact that people were fucking dead for five years yeah Yeah, and it's, it's fascinating and it's it is cool to note that also in the comics, whenever there was the uh, Falcon was sort of the partner to Captain America, they were double billed. It was yeah. never like it was Captain America and the Falcon, and so the Falcon's been an important character in the MCU for quite some time. And um, I'm glad that they're doing this storyline to, which is obviously going to end up giving him the shield. Yeah, but I, I it's going to go with the whole. Yeah, the government also isn't the thing that you should generally have to trust if it's not doing good things. Yeah, it's it's setting up all the obvious dominoes, but they're good obvious dominoes, especially in kind of a timely manner. Again, like the fact they're doing this at all on a platform, like I, I'm, I'm quoting another YouTuber at this point, like the fact that they're doing this on a platform that has like fucking Aladdin for viewing yeah. right next to it. 
right? I think it's cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... Disney is definitely taking some chances yeah. here. With some... Uh, and we've talked about Disney being one of them, the most, if not the most, brand-conscious company in yeah. the world. I mean, so... Yeah, the fact it's, gonna... it's a bunch of risks you wouldn't expect a company that spent a lot of its time being aggressively, if not kind of obnoxiously family-friendly to do, because you're going to have an uncle or two or an aunt or someone who maybe objects with how this thing goes about kind of doing it. It's not like, it's not as over-the-top as it could be, like it's not Netflix's Defenders bullshit or the Punisher thing, which was bloody and over-the-top and very explicit what we was trying to talk about, but mm-hmm. it's still there, and it's it's the you can't watch this just as I'm, I'm sure you could if you're kind of willful enough, but it's very hard to watch this without at least acknowledging the fact that it's got more to say than superheroes bang knuckles kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and the Winter Soldier part that's like, it's slowly developing. I have less to say about that because it didn't quite, I guess, hit as hard, but it's in there too, and it's interesting. Like It definitely seems to be cackling the whole, like, disuse of veterans and so that after they kind of get discharged mm. there's some interesting stuff going on that i did not expect from winter soldier that all the ads for it made it look like yo we're doing avengers tv show and i'm like i could get in for that and the first episode i think it's of six or seven or something i know it's, it's a shorter run than wandavision i was pleasantly surprised by and if they're gonna keep doing these kind of little spin-offy things of yo we don't have a really good way of exploring this concept in a movie because well we have two, two and a half, three hours tops kind of thing, and well, you paid 17 bucks to see a movie, but if we you can kind of easily digest at your own pace and dole out across several weeks, that kind of keeps you on this platform. I'm okay with that. Like, I've paid for worse at that point. Like, it's it is genuinely enjoyable, I guess, in my opinion, so far. And really, we're one episode in, but after WandaVision and the fact they were pretty upfront about, like, this is not WandaVision, this is more action-oriented. I came into this with low expectations. I'm still like, no, I I am pleasantly surprised that, yes, there's some pretty good action stuff, like Falcon doing Falcon shit and Winter Soldier doing Winter Soldier shit is still some great kind of fight choreography, but the fact that there is this kind of other stuff in between all that, that they have an actual story going on that I think is both timely and important and interesting to see through the context of superheroes and a world that has experienced a blip like literally half the population fucking vanished for five years and now they're back and having everyone die tragic having everyone come back after five years not equally tragic but a tragedy of its own kind of weirdness of it's super great you're alive but also i've mourned your death and moved on and the kids have a new mom it's super awesome yep. you're back, but I thought, but you were dead. You died in my arms kind of moments happened. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and I think the Winter Soldier will also have an interesting perspective on it because he was, he had been gone before. Yeah. Like he, he like did World War II and was just gone and didn't exist. And for him, even longer period of time when... He didn't exist and came back to a world he didn't know at all. Like it was completely like uh, it's it's funny they did they haven't played as much on that with the Winter Soldier as they had did with uh, Steve Rogers. 
and that's and maybe they'll do more of that in this this series where we see a he's even more time displaced now. He's an extra five years on top of you know the fifty or so years that yeah. he was gone. So no, I, I think it, that's and his character is directly going after that fifty year gap. Like his arc seems to this be like it's it's kind of like a again the kind of quote another person I saw critiquing this. He's doing like an AA thing of trying to make amends for you know all the fucked up shit he did during that 55-year period that's coming back to him slowly, and based on what they've done so far, the fact that we know Zemo's coming back for this, and mm. as a huge fan of Zemo, both in the version of him in Civil War, like, it wasn't as good as Zemo could be, but the fact that someone at the MCU was like, nah, we're gonna use Zemo again in the future, we're gonna use him in a goddamn TV show, and the fact they're using him in as far this TV show has me excited, because Zemo is a Really cool character, if used correctly. He's not well, they a. Picked, they picked a great actor. Oh yeah, I, his to, play, to portray him as his well. His casting could not have been better in some ways. Like just just gonna, an excellent character. Actor. Yeah, if you're gonna do the conniving kind of super genius Zemo, perfect acting, a perfect actor choice for him. Like yeah, shit, this guy Zemo actually fuck. Mm-hmm. I want to see more of him, and it's been like what five years since that movie came out, but at the same time. They're bringing him back when you want to. Like him and still, like him and anything else would have been like, okay, Zemo's here, great. Him in this, it's like, oh shit, you're bringing Zemo back for this. Oh, it's gonna be fucked up in the best way possible. I bet he's still got a bone to pick with Winter Soldier, and also like his whole stance of no superheroes ever. It's kind of valid all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's what I've been up to. That and digging the two lug, the two pug lifestyle. Uh, yeah, having two pugs. They're monsters. <laughs> what have you been up to? Yeah, so I, I I've been watching. Well, try I was trying out some different series on Crunchyroll. I just I, I guess I'm sticking to the ones I'm watching right now because I just don't see a lot of the new ones that are really sort of catching my attention. I've like tried out an episode and I'm like, yeah. I I watched one of their live action dramas that they have on, which they don't have a lot right now, to be honest. Well, they well I guess they have a certain amount, but most of them are pretty old. Like they don't have a lot of like actual like new dramas that were made in like the past five years. So, uh, uh, so I was I watched one and I watched an episode of one of those. It was it was basically just like. An episode about all right. So the I don't even remember the name, but it was kind of like that kind of I don't know. <laughs> didn't really catch my eye too much. Oh, uh, Waka Zo Wak Wakako Zake, and it's just really about this woman working in an office, but not really about her in the office. It's about what she does afterwards, which is she goes to nice restaurants and eats food and drinks liquor and it's just really nice food and she goes to real restaurants and they kind of do that at the very end like this was the restaurant but the restaurants that's that kind of cool yeah i mean i think if you want to learn some i guess i watched it because i've watched similar anime that were basically that like centered around food and a restaurant and yeah, they're real places, and so you just kind of get to see her talk about and think about 
food, like really good food, and uh, it's all right. I guess it's it's pleasant enough. And but yeah, I watched that. That was that was all right. I think of the dramas that were out, that's the only one that's that was like very interesting to me at all. And that's just because I enjoy good foods. And yeah, even though it's kind of like you know that's all happening in Tokyo primarily. Well, so far anyway. In yeah. any case, yeah, that's someone who's a good enjoys a good food documentary show. I could that baby yeah so i mean it's it's basically the loosest plot possible around going to nice restaurants and having food and drink <laughs> like uh yeah it's really not about the plot but outside of that i did I, play is some there games actually a plot to it i guess like is there some like meta plot going on or is it just i'm going to a restaurant kind of, some food she's uh, they they kind of tied in her like her work into she sees Samaya at the restaurant at like wanting like not really taking pride in their work and the the kind of manager getting on to the person for not taking pride in all of their work and then she kind of applies it to her own situation about doing some shitty after hours work uh I'm like oh, okay that's the thinnest possible plot thread you could have thrown See, in there. See, I would there. want something more insane. Like, I, I want, Oh, like, no, it has nothing like that. It has I, nothing I would crazy. want, like, the entire focus of the show to still be the cook of the restaurant thing, but then, like, the meta plot to be, like, she's an assassin or something, and this is how she unwinds, but them never to fully acknowledge it. Well, but yeah, that, that that makes far more sense to do a show about I mean, like I mean, that's, that. like, the other two that I watched that were anime like this. Like, a restaurant in another world, and... Isekai Isekaya that were both that that were both well they have these kind of other plot lines going on because they're both happening in fantasy realms sure. essentially and they're the weird mo- like our realm modern day cook restaurant that also serves this fantasy realm every so often and that's, that's kind of but yeah this one is more I guess in certain sense mundane where it's just like she just works in an office, and she enjoys good food, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. But, yeah, it's 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 a light fare, and I, I don't mind watching it. Of the dramas, it's definitely the only one that stood out to me as, like, I could probably enjoy this. But other than that, I did get around to playing some video games as well. Oh? I, I'm still playing the My Little Pony mobile game. Of course it's, you are. It's, uh... It's uh it's it's more predatory than say KOF uh, All-Star. I mean King of Fighters All-Star. I'm sitting on 10,000 rubies. You know, and in perspective, it only takes 100 to do a gotcha Increasingly draw. I am learning that the King of Fighter All-Star thing is like the pinnacle of not predatory. Like I don't know how they're doing it, but they're making enough money off that thing to keep that shit going without having to get down to a normal level of predatory behavior. Yeah, it's real weird. Yeah, I like I said, I'm yeah, I'm sitting on 10,000 rubies and at the moment I'm not really playing it because there's not any new characters that I really care to roll for to to get the uh, gotcha for. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, if I wanted I could literally just drop it and like do a 100 draws. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's kind of it, so I can sit on that for a while. It's uh, but 
Uh, My Little Pony, it's not too bad. I mean, there's no energy points like some games have. You can just play however much you want, really. And if you're just patient, you can slowly build up. But there's some high costs for stuff. Like, I'm talking about for in-game currency amounts. Like, pretty high costs for things that would take... There's one that are gems in the game, and you don't really get that many, like, per day or for anything, really. Like, you get a handful, maybe. And there's stuff that costs, like, 500 gems, 200 gems. It's like... uh, Getting 500 is like, oh, really? (laughs) And... And it's mainly characters, and there's also buildings. I mean, it's really more characters than anything. You want to buy all the characters. Uh, I have noticed that there's quite a few, like, background characters that are literally don't have names other than, this is a person that does a thing. Okay. I don't think I really care to get that character. (laughs) Like, uh, so there's, there's definitely some filler ponies thrown in there that are like, who the fuck is this? And even more so, like, this isn't even a name. This is just what they do. <laughs> like, or or what they are. Like, there's one that's just, like, Goth Pony. Seriously. Like, that that's the name. And, uh, sure. I'm sure the design's cool, but it's like, they, that's not an actual pony name. It's just, like, a description of the pony. And so that's that's kind of weird. What? Mobile game creators being lazy? No. But whereas, like, every single fighter that's in King of Fighters is, like, at least a version of a character that everybody knows if they've ever played the game. And they really focus on the most well-known characters. And so there's there's not, like, background guy who is in the background one time and here you should get this person you've never heard of and doesn't really exist. Like, but My Little Pony's definitely doing that. They're definitely like, here's here's Pony. Buy it. And I'm like, no, I'll just keep going for the ponies that, like, A, won't cost me money to try to get, and B, like, are actual characters that appeared in the cartoon. But, (laughs) yeah, well, yeah, there again, like, at least I can just do everything for free, so I'm not too bothered, but, like, (laughs) yeah. Anything aside from the ponies you've been playing lately or nah? What's that? Anything else beside the ponies you've been playing lately or nah? Yeah, I played a game called Detention. So that is by Red Candle, and that's going to come up later in news, but this is their first game. I've just had it. I've just had it on my Steam account for, like... This is the infamous game, yes? No, no, no. Devotion Okay, I, their I, second I, I game. I you were like, I thought it was Devotion that's the controversial one. No, no. Detention, Detention is their first one, and that's still on the Steam store. Somehow, I guess. Like, it never got pulled. But, yeah, it's on my account, and... I just never had gotten around to playing it, and I decided to play it. And it's really good. It's heavily political. They're both heavily political and heavily social. And there's a... uh, I don't want to... If I just give away too much about it, it'll just give away great 
interesting things and surprises in the story. But you'd recommend it, it sounds like. I super recommend it. It's a point-and-click, side-scrolling type of game. It's horror-themed. So there are some nice, you know, jump-scare stuff and horror stuff, but also the storyline and the time period in which it takes place. Setting is also extremely important, and it it tells you a lot about it. It's... I don't, I don't even want to give away when it goes on, because if I do, they'll kind of give away the plot, I believe. I got some guesses based on the name detention of what it might be about, but yeah, that's interesting. But it, but it takes you. It takes place in a school generally, and it's yeah, you, it's high school characters. I'm feeling very and, confident in my guess now, but I'm not going to say it on the podcast. Yeah, but yeah, it's and it takes place in Taiwan. It's a Taiwanese company, so it yeah they they set their games in Taiwan. But it's really good. The mechanics that it has are. Other than just point and click, which is like your general point and click games, you you, know, you click on item to use item on thing or in in a certain place, and, as well as uh, so a few small puzzle elements, but it, and then there's some other mechanics, but you'll find about out about them when you play it because it will it will show you and teach you about things that are happening and. But yeah, it's there's it's so much is just revealed by the game. It's just a well-crafted game where you it doesn't need a tutorial. It 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 tells you things when you need to know, but not in a annoying tutorial pops up and hey, do this and do this. It just play the game, you experience it, and it really is an experience. It's a very unique experience. I think very deserving of being played, and but and we'll talk a little more about the company Red Candle when it comes up. But you can buy this in their eShop now, in their own official eShop. But so detention is available as well. It will be, is available in their shop. But yeah, and it's uh, also DRM free if you buy it through the shop. I bought it. Years ago on Steam, so I and I don't know. I mean, I probably won't buy it again, but could be tempted yeah. just because I like the company and I want a DRM-free version that I can play uh, anywhere on you know in any device. So and it does uh, and it there is a you can download a Mac version of it as well. Huh. So you could play, so you can play it on Mac. I'm not uh, sure how you got me thinking about this. Part of me does wonder if I have an American Steam account and I were to go to a place like China, I'm assuming that would limit my access to my actual Steam library at that point, hypothetically, right? Um, it's it's like a different Steam. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, would I? Do no, I mean like you? What Steam? you would still lo- you would log into your Steam okay. account, and that would still have your games on it. It's just that, like, the Steam China account is a different yeah. account. As far as I can tell, it's like a different, like, a, a, a whole separate account. system at that point. Interesting. Yeah, I, I believe it is. I don't know that for sure. I'd have to, you know, no, see, yeah, it, see interview it, with somebody about that. It just that, made me but. think about that, where it's like, huh, if, I, if you took this game, if you had it on Steam and took it to China, what would happen? That's like, I'm like, maybe you could play it still, hypothetical. But, but yeah, on your Steam account. I I don't know, 
Well, and you may not be. Able, well, I don't think you can reach your your Steam account from that is the other within question China. I had, yeah. Could you even actually reach it? Like you wouldn't reach your own account. You could only reach the Steam China account because yeah. the as as has been dubbed the Great Firewall of China only allows certain apps to come through. Only certain things are available through the internet, through the through through the general internet, and so yeah. Wouldn't really be able to do that. You wouldn't be able to reach your account. But if you, yeah, buy it DRM free, you can play it wherever. So, but yeah, it's it. Detention is really fucking good, and it's not a. It has save points. I mean, it's not like it forces you to play it all in one go. It's not that long of a game. Like. A certain number of hours you'll get through it in maybe six five six seven hours something like that but it's worth just taking it all in it has good art style i like the art direction it's it's evocative the music's also excellent and 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 suited for whatever scene you have to be in but yeah i it's it it surprised me. I went into it with no expectations without reading anything about it. And, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised by the sheer depth of it, the emotional depth of it. And it's complex. It's mature. Mature in the way that, you know, not, you know, there's there's some gore in it, but that's not what makes it mature. Mature is the storyline. The storyline is sophisticated. It's very sophisticated. And it's, yeah, I there I can't say too much more about it. It's sure. it it really spoils the experience. But definitely should you should play it. And yeah, but yeah, that's that's more or less. Those are the only two games I really played this week. Didn't really get around to too much. I I did go to the uh, arcade, which is reopened the arcade bar around here huh. called Player One. Uh, and it uh, recently uh, reopened, and yeah, I played some games there. Uh, <laughs> it reminded me of uh, how like arcades steal your quarters. How the games that you get like there's games you that are pretty much impossible to one cc. That is one credit clear, and there are ones you can definitely, and there are ones that require more skill to do so, and there are the ones that are. Literally impossible. Nobody's ever done a one cc of them that wasn't sort of uh, like uh, tool assisted. But yeah, um, and then they have some pretty cool games. And they also, well, I mentioned they also have the kind of sketchy multi-game systems. Like, I'm really not sure they're they're legal to be basically running Mame. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ah, like, yes, I, those ones where it's like, ah, okay, it's, this exists. It's like MAME with a different, like, paint on it, but it's MAME. It's definitely fucking MAME. It just has a menu system, different menu system that's made to work with arcade buttons. But yeah, it's, that's real weird, and, and yeah, I mean, you can play games on those too. And, I would also so yeah. be totally cool if they had like salty bet, but you could play it inside an arcade. I'd be like, "Fuck it, this is obviously illegal, but I am in for this." Hmm. 
Oh, I also played like a pinball table that I was just like, wow, this one is like which one almost almost as bad as fucking Black Knight. Which one? Uh, Doc Doctor Who. Yeah, it's a shitty table. Oh my god, that's just like, ha ha! You liked having quarters? Yeah. Fuck you, kid. Oh my god, I actually got the ball stuck in a section yeah, and I had to budget loose. I, that one has some really weird angles in it, yeah. Oh, yeah, God. Weird angles. That's a bump It's table. just like, oh, my God, yeah, you have to. You pretty much need to be bumping it constantly to keep the ball in play because almost everything sends it either straight to the side or straight down yep. the fucking middle. It's like, yeah, holy Yeah, so much shit. of the ball return for that thing just puts it on a dead shot right to death. Oh, my God, that game is so... I was like... Yeah, fuck this game. It's not that table specifically, but another table of that one out there holds the record for the most number of times I got a bump warning on a table at a machine. <laughs> yeah, like, I got a lot of bump warnings on that, and I still didn't manage to get that far. Because, holy shit, that game's just like, When that one sucks, you. the Black Knight one is still worse. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. No, 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 I agree. This, but it's it. It reminded me of Black Knight, oh, and I yeah. was like, "Huh, hmm, yeah." <laughs> but I finally tracked down a way of playing that Black Knight uh, digital pinball table. Oh, I mm. hate it so much. <laughs> it's so <laughs> well done. I'm like, it, it, my wife was watching me get fixed. Why are you? You can stop playing this table. I'm like, no, I can't. He's like, yes, you can. And I'm like, no, I can't. <laughs> Well, at least you can play it without sticking quarters in it constantly. Yeah, no, I, I felt slightly less ripped off, but yeah, they they capture just how angry that table on a like a deep down level makes you as a human being. Like if they didn't, if it, it'd be perfect, it was a smash the glass on top of this thing and a rage button you could press. But without that, it's it's a perfect recreation of that table. Like you feel bad after having played it. Yeah. I feel pretty bad after playing the Doctor Who table. Yeah, that one's Holy up there. Shit. That one, uh, that one, and the Stargate one, ironically, are two of mm. if they are properly set up, and I do mean properly set up, because you can improperly set them up and actually make them a little bit more fair. Have some of the shittiest ball return of a table intentionally, where it's like, no, no, you have to do some bullshit to not be losing your ball constantly on this. Yeah. And, yeah, it's definitely one of those tables. The I didn't play it this time, but I played it last time I was there. The Stranger Things... Have you played that table yet? Or have you seen that in the wild? It's... It's alright. It just has the fancy fancy screens on it. Yeah. Which is kind of cool, but... It's... I mean, as far as being a table, it's fine, I guess. I can't remember. Is that one a hybrid or a pure digital table? It's... Like, I, I'm sorry, you went into the terminology. Like, is there physical stuff inside of it? Like, obviously it's a physical oh, yeah, you know, it's machine, a, but it's got yeah, that screen on the back where you can, like, hit stuff against it to do things. Um, it's... I guess it's hybrid, yeah. I'd say. Because there are, like, drop targets, I believe. Yeah, the only... <sighs> Hybrids are weird. Like, I get the idea behind them, and they are cool. I... The only good digital table I ever played was the fucking Star Wars Episode One, one where the entire thing was mini games that were actually kind of okay for a pinball table. Like it wasn't. There was a there was a Pac Man hybrid table. That was, it was like a baby Pac Man or Pac Man Junior or 
most yeah pure digital or pure analog are typically the way I like to go. The hybrid tables are always weird. Yeah. I just remember that one because it was the first one I ever saw. Yeah, uh, the, the we, first time you encounter one, it is a moment you're like, the fuck? Why is this table so shallow? And then you're like, oh, that's why. Like, did they chop off half this table in transit by accident? Oh, no, this is screen. Interesting. Oh, yeah, it was Baby Pac-Man. It was Baby Pac-Man. That was a hybrid digital one. Like, did you, do, you, do you remember that one? Or are you familiar with like it? I feel like I've played it, but the phrase Baby Pac-Man just immediately makes me go, I'm pretty sure this was bad. Yeah, it was weird. It was just, yeah, it's it's a hybrid table, but but the vast majority of it is digital. I just remember seeing in the arcade and like, what the hell is this? Putting a quarter in. I don't remember how it went, but it wasn't that memorable. I'll say that. Oh, I remember this table. I've not seen one in the wild since I was I a remember kid, this so. table. Yeah, yeah. I saw a grown adult flip one of these tables over in anger. I thought it was hilarious. Oh, God. Ugh. That, that... <laughs> yeah. That's... I've never seen one in the wild since I was a kid, so... You're talking the one with, like, the um the weird, like, Pac-Man screen is the backsplash and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. That's filled up onto... Yep, yeah, I've, yeah, I've played on this table. I did not enjoy my time. That bottom one mm. is too shallow a slant, and that top screen Ooh. is... There. It is very slow. Yes. It is a very slow table. It's because there's not a lot going on. I, well, yeah, that's that. It, on the table itself, like in, like the physical part of the table, there's not a whole lot going on. So My issue with these types of tables is more that, like, you have to take your eye away from, you know, the table part to look at the mini game, and that's not the way to play pinball. Like, it's kind of hard to yeah. keep track of that stuff. Like, if it was like, hey, you have 30 seconds to rack up points, I'd be like, okay, cool. And if I die, I get the ball back, right? No, we have to play pinball still, too. Fuckers. This is not a fun way to play it. Yeah, that's... Remember that table? That was not a good table. It's a <laughs> weird table to stand in front of, too. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a very casual, occasional pinball player. Like, I don't have the sort of passion for it that you do, but... I definitely play, usually play a table or two whenever I'm at an arcade. Yeah. <laughs> Miss Pinball. So, Real pinball. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, when I was in Portland, like, some of the arcades there had some, had good, very, very large sets of tables. I don't know if you've ever experienced that in Portland, I've but been yeah. I've some cool tables. I Way back in something with studios, we got to go to the uh, pinball arcade out in... Banning, which is the largest collection of working pinball tables under one roof. And I have some good ones. They have some of my favorites in there. They're missing two of my favorites. At least they were last time I was there. But I don't know if they're still around. They were always a weird company. Or weird I like the Adams, Adams Family Values. The Adams Family Values one is a classic. It's not one it's of my really favorites, good. but it's a good table. Yeah, it's a, it's a very good kind of even of the road. It's got some good stuff inside of it table. I've my favorite tables aren't the best tables out there, even. They're just kind of ones that, for whatever reason, I have a personal connection to. Like, the Star Wars generic one that was, like, all the Star Wars movies in one table will probably mm. always be my favorite table, A, because my family owned one at one point, and B, because there was a snowstorm where I managed to have, like, an eight-hour run game on it at one point, so I have a mm. passion for that table. Uh, the Big Hut, too, was always going to be a favorite of mine. Uh, 
Ironically, the Stargate, when I said it's a terrible table, I have a fondness for because it was in a pizza <laughs> hut. You're right. <laughs> at one point, it was a table I had good access to. Uh, the Motocross one that's really goddamn rare, where it's actually three tables in one. The backsplash is a table, and then the table on the table is two layers. So you've got like the main table, and you've got kind of this upper area. And it starts off by you just kind of like racing down through the top, and then trying to get back up the top to race down it again. It's a, it's not the best table, but it's a cool table. Uh, the ski lift one, like Alpine Adventure, whatever the fuck it's got, it's an older table, is cool because it's got some fun, like, old-school mechanics in it and stuff. Like, as much as I, like, shit-talk the Black Knight table, I like the Black Knight table. It's it's not fun to play for long periods of time, but I think it's cool that it exists. It's like, yeah, this is an unbelievably shitty table. The, uh, I think it's the Outrun table. It's got just, like, the Hemi in the center of it, I think, is a cool table as well. Like, it's, it's a personal favorite. I like pinball tables in general, even the worst one, so long as it's of, like, the right era is still fun in my book. A lot of the modern ones just feel flimsy and, like, they might break if you played them too hard. Hmm. Yeah. They have bad buttons and bad kind of the uh, trigger to launch with. The Terminator one is an okay one. It's not great, but it's kind of fun with the amount of stuff inside of it. The Jurassic Park one, the old school Jurassic Park one, the more new ones are... Eh. That's enough pinball, though. I can go on for way too long. So, shall we uh, move over to news? Yeah, let's do that news, as we say. I hope we never say that sentence ever again. <laughs> Alright. Where, where to begin this week? Our news is kind of all fucking over the place, so maybe it's time to yeah. start off with our biggest kind of block of stuff to get through, which would be that Squeenix event that happened. Mmm. Where the fuck did I put that link? Um... As we talked about last week, Screenix had an event. It had a variety yeah. of things shown off as part of it. Some of it good, some of it bad. But yeah, now that I found it, let's get through it. Uh, so probably the, the, for me at least, the biggest thing we got to see was more Outriders stuff. It looks like more Outriders. Again, that's not out yet, but I am waiting patiently for it to come out. That's only a couple more weeks till I get to play that in a meaningful way. They showed off kind of more of that game that the demo definitely does not cover and that's real cool yeah it looks neat i i'm i like the monster designs yeah. but outside of that like the character designs and the kind of environment oh yeah, yeah. Kinda, there's a lot to not like about eh, this game they're kind of yeah 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 there's plan to like go the, okay th that's the thing if if it's a loot shooter, the loot had better make me want it, and I don't really see loot that I give a shit about. So. There is some cool loot in that game. This trailer did not show it off. Like, some of the other stuff they've done has dived into some of the weirder loot you can get. Like, there's a gun that just looks like it's an organ from an animal, and I'm like, that's kind of cool. Also, more stuff should be like that, but yeah, I that's all the legendary stuff that's kind of the higher end, harder to get gear, though, too. As someone who plays a Devastator, I'm honestly wind up looking like the Juggernaut from X-Men, and I'm just kind of okay with that. Whether I want to or not. All the high-end armor for that class is like, oh, so I'm the Juggernaut. No, you're the Devastator. I'm pretty sure I'm the Juggernaut. <laughs> yeah. We got another reminder we're all getting old and that the 20th anniversary of Tomb Raider is happening. Mm. I, I, we're not going to cut through the whole list, but there was an article that came out this week that detailed like the number of games that are turning 20 this year, and that made me feel old very quickly when I saw that list. Uh, this is one of them. Uh, yeah, and if you're into that type of thing, um, 
Tomb Raider is coming to Fortnite on March 23rd. So if you're playing Fortnite, look forward to that. If you're a Tomb Raider fan, continue to feel neglected by people making Tomb Raider games. I don't. I, I... <laughs> We're getting a Just Cause mobile game. It looks exactly like that sentence sounds. As someone who's not been a huge fan of the last few Just Cause games, I don't know who this is for, but I'm sure the people exist that want to play this. There is no game footage for this, just a very Just Cause-looking trailer. So, yeah. They have not forgotten the Just Cause franchise exists, just maybe how to make a good one. But we'll see. I'm kind of being overly analytical based on how bad I thought the last one was. And it was Mm. bad. Don't let anyone tell you it wasn't bad. Yeah, I didn't play Just Cause 5. 5 is the last one that came out? Or is it 4? I don't. I think it was 4. Like, 3 was was the start of things being bad. I have 3. I have 3. It's okay. It wasn't as good as 2. Yeah, 2 was... Had a weird life of its own. And then 4 was when the gimmick kind of officially ran out. Like, it's like, okay, 3 was a refinement of 2 and... That wasn't as good because games had come a long way between two and three, and then four happened. Everyone's like, "Can we stop caring about this?" That's enough of that. We got a uh, we're getting a new uh, Hitman Sniper Assassin. Uh, it's called Sniper Assassins. This one's weird because Io is no longer with Squeenix, and this also appears to lack Agent Forty Seven completely, which I. You could totally have made a Hitman game without Agent 47. I'm not sure why you'd want to, but I guess in the context of being a Sniper Assassin game sequel, that makes sense. Sniper Assassin, those don't remember, was Hitman, but you were only sniping through part of it, so it's kind of got a silent scope vibe to it. And it was just as much Rube Goldberg and weird shit via Sniper Rifle as it was trying to nail them headshots. Uh, Again, this is a mobile game, so... Don't expect big things out of it, but hey, they're making the sniper assassins. That was a cool thing they did with with Hitman. Mm-hmm. Once you got it, you got it. They're making a Space Invaders AR game because of fucking course they are. That actually sounds kind of fun, to be honest. Like, uh, to be able to play it sort of like an augmented reality. Hell no. Um, I could see that being fun. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of the game. But you know that actually, like, just on a quick aside, it's what the Space Invaders was one of the sort of accidental, like, accidental mechanics of the game. So you yeah. know how the Space Invaders how they get faster and faster as they get yeah. as you shoot more of them. That was an accident that they left in the game. It was literally because it was the reason that they are moving slow is because the processor couldn't handle it, and as you get rid of more of them, more of the processor is freed up. And they can move faster, but so that was an accidental mechanic that they saw as, hey, actually this was good, and they left it in the game. But anyways, next yeah, the side-scrolling <laughs> shooter, Darius, 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 Darius. I'm like, it's got to be something weird. I'm not pronouncing it wrong. Is coming to the Switch and PS4 as a remastered Darius Co- Cosmic uh, Revelation. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big fan of that series. Uh, my favorite is Darius uh, Gaiden, which was on the Saturn, also in arcade. I it was think also I in arcade. That one. 
it's really good. And the one that G. Darius, uh, Darius that came out for PlayStation was uh, PlayStation 2. Uh, also, extremely good game. But yeah, but, but yeah I, I like the series. They haven't had a... Like, the last one that came out was... Mm, it was fine, I guess. But I'm interested to see what's going to be in the remaster. Anyways. Bubble Bobble for Friends is coming to Steam, so that's a thing to look forward to. I assume that it's a four-player bubble bobble. One would assume. Which sounds fun to me. It's it's a difficult and interesting game. I, I've, I've always kind of liked Bubble Bobble as a series. I've played some of the other ones, like Bubble Memories, like the later ones as well as like the NES version. But, yeah. Uh, Tohau? Tohu? Toho. Toho. Spell Bubble is getting a second story pack. I haven't heard of that game before. But Toho is the kind of fan-made character... Oh, we talked about this a bunch of episodes back, or maybe this is offline, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So people that know what Toho is will know what this is. People that don't know what Toho is will just be perplexed. (laughs) Like me. Yeah. Black Panther's coming to Avengers, or sorry, to Marvel's Avengers. It will not save that game. Just throwing yeah. that one out there, like it's not like until they revamp that game in a major way. Like we have not covered some news about that game because I felt like beating a dead horse. But actually, like we'll make fun of Fault seventy six, but there's been some stuff with that game that we were just like, mm, no, that demo was bad. But yeah, it's getting Black Panther now, so that's cool. I guess maybe that game wouldn't totally suck. Um, uh, Balin Balan. I'm going with Balan. Uh, Wonder Woman got another trailer. It appears to be colorful, nauseatingly so to a certain extent, but it's full of charm and all that stuff to it. Yeah, I, I'm excited to see yeah. how it turns out. It is. It's it's being headed by people who should know what they're doing when it comes to colorful platformers. Yeah. So we'll see. Not a guarantee. No. I still can't tell if it's like a competitive game or not. But it almost feels like it's a game show kind of thing, kind of like Fall Guys, but not only so much you can read into from a trailer. Mm-hmm. We got some Life is Strange news, and I actually might play this Life is Strange. It seems to have a cool gimmick again. So we got the next Life is Strange. It's uh, Life is Strange True Colors, and it will star Alex Chen, who apparently can like read people's emotions or thoughts, and that seems way cooler than Kid with Generic Superpowers that the second one had, so... I kind of might pick this one up, but more importantly, the first two Life is Stranges are getting remastered, and by that I mean the original Life is Strange and the Life is Strange Before the Storm, the best of the franchise in my book, because that mechanic had a verbally abused system, and it was dumb, but it kind of channeled the most teenage rage possible. I thought that was a cool one. I... It has no supernatural abilities except be a shitty teenager as your superpower, and I kind of love that about it. But yeah, no, those are getting remastered. Uh, if you've not played those two, they're still, to quote the game, hella good games in some ways. We did a Let's Play of them a long time ago. I actually think Before the Storm is better than the original Life is Strange because, I don't know, I found Max, the protagonist of Life is Strange, to be a little whiny, but at the end she kind of pulls it all together. Like, that game is fucked too by the end not in a it's bad but like that story gets 
dark in ways that no one should have expected from the jump. Hmm. Like, it goes some places that you're just like, what the actual fuck? Still a good game. I think it's one of the better kind of of that ilk, of that Telltale style of walk around, inspect some clues. It's got more of a gameplay mechanic than some of the Telltale stuff had. Like it, it, it felt very reminiscent of ones of those I like, like Tales of the Borderlands and the Batman ones, where they felt more active and there was stuff to do and there was kind of stuff that wasn't just talk through the trees to get through and the occasional button press. It's like, no, rewind time, do this whole scene again, because now you know shit and you can use your brain powers to do so. Mm-hmm. Next up, we have... I'm trying to have this, the same thing. We've got uh, a little bit more about Project Athia, Athia, which is apparently Forspoken <laughs> PS5 and PC. I, I That's a name. Yeah, that is definitely a name. I was, I was waiting for you to say it. I'm like, I... it. Not a lot to know about this game yet. Uh, it appears to be a post-apocalypse game or... A fantasy game, I can't quite tell because the trailer has a protagonist wearing what I would consider modern clothing, but in a very medieval castle with some very medieval witch hunter cages or pirate cages, and someone says, hey, is that a dragon? And some of this stuff looks real modern architecture, and some of it don't, and I don't know what's going on with this. Uh, But it... Yeah, uh, the only thing I noted about it is it seems to have some good movement mechanics. Yeah. Like, fast movement mechanics. And I can definitely dig that in, like, a... It looks like a third-person perspective game. Oh, absolutely, yeah. This is not a first-person. Yeah. And so I definitely dig that. I like it whenever I can move quickly, and there are mechanics to make me move even faster built into the game. I think that's very cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, there's no indication of what the fuck this game is, though, from its trailer, though, and as annoying as I find that, I kind of respect it simultaneously. But that's it from Square Enix. Yeah, it, did you watch the entire show as a presentation, or did you watch it kind of piecemeal? Piecemeal. It was not a bad show. It, it worked. Like, it was up, it was Nintendo Direct without the Nintendo aspect going on. Like, it was fine. I would not object to seeing more things like this in the future. Like again, it was another resounding case for why exactly do we still need to do E three? But no, actually, why are we still doing E three? Like this is almost a better version than having a show that has weird technical issues happen as part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've talked about Squeenix. Let's talk about another big player in the industry. Let's talk about Activision and their very confusing week. And by confusing, I mean that as sarcastically as possible because. If you've been following Activision on this podcast the last, I don't know, two, three years, none of this is confusing. It's more just kind of baffling and maybe a tad appalling at the end of the day. I don't know. Yeah. So this is kind of a chain of events. But the first uh, of these events was that we got a big announcement that Activision was laying a ton of people off from its esports division. Uh Activision and not only the sports, de- yeah, not only the sports department as well. It's it, they've they've counted initially it was fifty, but they later count has been almost two hundred people yeah, have been laid off. One hundred ninety officially, but yeah, it's yeah, 
It's a large number, especially where last year we lost 800 employees from that. Yeah. That's another one, too. But, uh, yeah, it's... On one hand, you got to understand the fact that there's still an esports division going for an entire year of COVID. Cool. On the other hand, things seem to be kind of finally opening up slowly, and esports, I think, have done pretty well during the times of COVID. And, yeah, there's no way of kind of knowing what the thought process behind this one is, but... No, I think it's very fucking easy. The all right. So the most expensive asset of any company is always the employees. Sure. So the the quickest way to make it look like you're suddenly profitable is just to get rid of a bunch of employees. Bottom line. Sure. Yeah. Let me rephrase my sentence. It was more of a logic of why you do this from a business standpoint makes a lot of sense. The logic from a hey, you actually might need these people again standpoint. Ah. And it wouldn't be Activision without them kind of double-tapping at least on the shitty news topic of this type of thing. So, on the heels of these layoffs, we learned that our old friend, uh, Bobby Kodak, who has a pretty good history of getting paid a lot of money despite massive people, massive layoffs happening, is once again receiving a giant fucking bonus for his ongoing CEO-ness of Activision. A bonus of $200 million. Yep. Which they could have literally just kept the staff on for that amount of money. Yep. And he got it because with that. And he got it because of profits, which there again, the only reason they showed more profit was because they just laid off a bunch of fucking people. Like 800 back in 2020. Yeah. So, yeah, that will quickly make your suddenly look like you're making more profits, but now you just have less people to do the actual fucking work. And we're not done with Activision Blizzard just yet. We got our final kind of slab of Activision Blizzard stuff to drop on there. So we've gone through all of that, and... You'd think that might be the end of layoffs or whatnot at that company, but no, it's pretty much been a fits. We've gone from rumors to official plans that the uh, European office of Activision Blizzard that have been hit once already on the time of this podcast, like we've talked about this in the past, they're also going completely at this point. It was a pretty heavy reduction, I want to say, like three or four months ago, and now they're just gone. As best we can tell, it seems that the UK offices might remain, but the rest of the European ones are in process of being liquidated. Yep, Germany, France, Spain, and the Netherlands are where they had the offices still running, and all those are going to be closed down. There again, it's just like, they just want to, like, they're already making record fucking profits. Like, alright, you know what, people? Stop buying their fucking products. Yeah. Holy shit. How how much clearer do they need to tell you, fuck you? Like, how, how much clearer is Blizzard's message of fuck everybody going to be? I, I mean, is it going to be Bobby Kotick literally walking through Blizzard and just shooting people in the fucking forehead? I mean, how much, how much more extreme is this going to get before people realize that Activision Blizzard is a shit company? Stop buying their shit products. Is honestly, a lot of them that have been coming out have been absolute fucking garbage anyways, and why keep buying them? Like, fucking Warcraft 3 
reimagined or whatever the fuck. Yeah, that's what Activision Blizzard thinks of you. They fucking hate you. They just want you to give them money. That's fucking every, any, all of it. Stop buying their bullshit. Yeah. God. Activision continues to be Activision. But let's move on to a a good change in the gaming industry. The one that maybe not everyone will be familiar with, but God am I thankful they're doing. So uh, Sony has officially pulled the plug on their community system. If you don't know what a community system is, congratulations. You either managed to dodge the most ongoingly annoying bullet of all time or don't have a PlayStation account. Either way, uh, for those who don't know what the fuck this was, it was a neat idea that basically you could kind of make a curated, maybe not a friends list, but like for people that had large social media followings, you could make a social uh, a following inside of a game. Kind of thing. It'd be easier to find other fans mm. of something or something like that. And that was all in theory. What it was actively used for is you'd get random invites, and because the system kind of, if you got invited, you got thrown into it automatically, it was used to basically spam promises of porn and easy money and, like, hacks directly through the PlayStation messaging system, because you could all manage this through your phone, and then you could get bots involved, and, oh, it was just a, it was a goddamn nightmare, right? Everyone who was anyone who was smart enough to turn that whole functionality off on their accounts as fast as possible, which was a damn shame because on paper it was kind of cool. Like, hey, you could have this little community inside of your PlayStation, uh, but the system was just actively abused, and it's getting killed, thank God. I... It got to the point where I want to say almost 110% of all messages I got through PlayStation were community shit that was just like, oh, it's obvious spam and not, like, good spam. It's someone being like, hi, can you send me Home Depot cards through PlayStation messaging? And I'm like, hey, how'd my boss find my PSN name? And B, he has other ways of contacting me. This seems suspicious. (sighs) I didn't know my boss plays Destiny spelled with a Z instead of an S, too. (laughs) Yeah, I... So long, good riddance. I, yeah, I, I didn't realize how big a deal this was. I remember what the fuck community was. I'm like, oh shit, they're killing that. Thank God. While we're talking about PlayStation, let's just talk about Jade Raymond for a quick second. Uh, you may know this person from we talked about Stadia in the past. They were most recently of uh, being the head of that whole first party studio they had going on that. Uh, Made such uh, memorable games as, and mm. yeah, you know that one. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, they, they obviously are along with Stadia because Stadia Stadia. Uh, but they are now they made their own studio, and they're making a game for Sony. So congratulations on landing on your feet. Hopefully, a bunch of the Stadia people you had there that were good at their jobs made the jump with you. Uh, yeah. No news on what the hell this thing is. Just that it's happening. And they'll probably make actual games yeah. because they're Sony as a first party kind of creator of games is actually has a decent record yeah. of that. You can say a lot of things about Sony. You can't touch the fact that they make games, though. It's like, what's Sony do? They make video games. They do a good job of publishing yeah. them. Their games are typically pretty goddamn good, too. Like, almost all of the first party games I can think of. I've not liked all of them personally, but they've all been defendably good games. They're like, yeah, no, you get your money's worth out of this. Like, they're they're fun to a certain crowd necessarily. I may not like them, but 
And while we're still on Sony, let's talk about that new PlayStation VR controller. It's cool looking. So they're ditching yeah. kind of the wands and they're going full kind of what I think of as the more traditional VR thing. It's spheres. They fit around your fans. They kind of look like boxing gloves at the end of the day with some holes cut in them. I I just think controls like this look badass. I I, I, I'm assuming they'll work just fine. They seem to have all the buttons you'd want on a on a PlayStation VR controller. So, congratulations on that. But they have a nice kind of spacey. You put them inside your VR helmet holder rig, and I don't know. I I like them. They look neat. Look comfortable. I mostly wonder yeah. if I bought this, could I play normal PlayStation Four ga- or PlayStation Five games? I guess is what this is probably for. Yeah. Looks like it has most of the buttons. It has all the buttons. Like, could I just use this to play PlayStation 5 games like the, like a better version of the Switch nunchucks? Not, not the nunchucks. The, what are the Switch remote? Joy-Cons. Oh, uh, Joy-Cons, yeah. yeah cause this is, is this the Sony Joy-Con? Because it looks comfortable. I'm not sure why it looks so comfortable, but it just does to me. Like, there's an invitingness well, about it. It's, well, I mean, there's... It's kind of rounded. I mean, yep. I'm just looking at not just what's around your hands, but just the controller itself looks smooth instead of, like, bumpy and sort of, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, it looks like also it'd be kind of easy to hold yeah. no matter what your hand size is. Are you implying my giant hands would have held me back from enjoying my Switch this entire time, Henry? How mm. dare you say something I've said on numerous podcasts? <laughs> but yeah, it's it. Yeah, they looks like it's kind of for like it's not built for just one hand size necessarily. Yeah. I mean, the triggers are, yeah, we'll see on the trigger size. I mean, that's, when I think I, that'll be part of it. Probably the coolest part of this is that the triggers, like the PS5 controller, have that same haptic feedback. They have that kind of tension thing that people have been raving about on the PS5. That Which is really cool. It is really cool. Like, that's a next-gen-ass controller at that point. And mm-hmm. as much as I do want to get PS5, PSVR at some point in the future, because it does seem to be the Maybe not the best option, but the most accessible option in some ways. Like, you just plug it into your system and it works. Yeah. I really hope I can just play games with these controllers, because I really want these controllers. Again, like, I I think they're cool, and not having to have my hands stapled together with a controller, being able to sit comfortably like a hand on both of my dogs, that would be fun. Mm. And they're space sci-fi orb handles, which are always cool in my book. Yeah. This is the future we want. <laughs> We're going to kind of close out our Sony fanboying, though, with, I think, one of the good guy Sony moments that we don't necessarily give enough attention to. So I think it was last week or two weeks ago we talked about how they're renewing that whole uh, play-at-home thing for because of the COVID initiative. And starting March 25th, so in a few days after this podcast goes out, you can add even more games to your PS4 library. They are The Witness, Abzu, Subnautica, Enter the Gungeon, and Res Infinite. All of these games are really good games, especially Res Infinite. If you've not played Res Infinite, you should play Res Infinite. Res is just an amazing game. Yeah, Res is one of my favorite games of all time, and the fact that they're giving it away for free is a big deal. And then on top of that, if you have PlayStation VR, you can also get Astro Bot Rescue Mission, Moss, Thumper, and Paper Beats. Paper Beast, sorry, my bad. But more importantly, Res Infinite 
passive VR mode. And if you have yep. Res Infinite, you can play Res Infinite, and then you can play it in VR once you have a PlayStation VR. See, and I, I really want to play that in VR. I, I've heard the VR levels for that game are unbelievably cool. If you're not getting it yet, you should play Res Infinite. It's the best version of Res, one of the best made games ever for what it is. Yeah. And so then, kind of after my Res fanboying there, we do have even more news. So kind of in the months to come, they're going to be bringing some more games, most notably of which is Horizon Zero Dawn Complete Edition, which is a hell of a good game. It'll happen in May. This will be yeah. running at least through June, it seems. So, yeah, I good guys Sony on this one. Good company, Sony. Way to make me continue to want to buy, buy a PS5 from you. Mm-hmm. You want to stick with some light, upbeat stuff for a little bit longer, or you want to get back into one of our darker stories for a little bit? Uh, we can do, let's do another light upbeat, then we can go into sort of the, the stories. Yeah. Or, 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 you know, we have one more Sony story. Well, what's the Sony story I missed? The big one. The Shin Megami Tensei one? No, way bigger than that. What's the Sony one I'm forgetting? They bought fucking Evo. Oh, right, that's so big, I thought, I, you're, you're right, that's the biggest Sony thing. I... <laughs> that's an evil thing too I don't want to think of it as a Sony thing it, it, I, oh god yeah so uh, where to even begin with this one because well Sony bought Evo and I, yeah I I remember texting Henry and Alex like so Sony bought Evo Just we both were like what the actual fuck it's like okay yeah so uh, good news this means we'll probably have Evo moving forward. It seemed kind of as time wore on that, you know, a year without Evo might be the death of Evo because Evo needs Evo to keep happening, to keep Evoing, which seems to be kind of a trend for a lot of these types of things where they don't have a lot of budget and they kind of rely on the previous year being a success to keep themselves going, which isn't not an unfair business model, but it seems Evo got pretty hard, uh, got hit pretty hard by all of this and on the other hand, Sony getting involved with Evo is both a great thing for Evo because it does it, it adds an even higher level of legitimacy to it that Evo has always has already had kind of thing. You now have a big corporate sponsor that I really hope will make this thing bigger and run better and bring the technology it needs to really be that big pinnacle event that the FGC deserves. On the other hand, I could totally imagine this means that Evo is now PlayStation exclusive for consoles. Well, uh, hopefully not. Well, well, Evo's head of business apparently said that it will be open to games on all platforms, yeah. except uh, except for Smash Brothers. Uh, yes, yeah, so a real fighting game. Yeah, if Sony has bought Evo <laughs> specifically to address. The infection of Smash <laughs> in the FGC. The heads at Evo, uh, the heads at Evo were like, "Man, if we could only get a large corporate sponsor to come in and fix this for us." And Sony's like, "Will it end the Smash community?" And they're like, "Yes." They're like, "Say no more." How much money do you need to put this filth out to pasture where it belongs? Uh, jokes aside, it's Evo. It's hopefully gonna still be Evo. A bunch of the big people involved in Evo that are still there after last year's big kind of you know, thing that happened with Evo that made Evo not happen, besides COVID, are staying on kind of a supervisory role, which is great. Hopefully this will also make Evo Japan less of a complicated nightmare and people can actually get paid for being entrants in it, but mm. 
who knows? Maybe it won't fix it. It's not clear at this point in time exactly how involved Sony's going to be with Evo if it's more just kind of a, hey, we own this thing. Neat. Uh, if they want to like roll this thing up with PSX like they were doing for a long time with the uh, Street Fighter Championship series, that would be kind of cool, I think. But it, yeah, we can only kind of see what happens moving forward with this. Hopefully it won't be a bad thing for Evo, but there's no way of knowing at this exact point in time. The people involved at Evo seem to be excited about it, so... We shall see. Yes. Allegedly, we're getting Evo online this August, and it will be a tournament. It's got a good lineup for it. It's all the games you'd expect. Most importantly, there's no Smash in that lineup, so it's a good lineup. <laughs> my biggest fear, and it's a truly irrational fear, is that to this day, one of my favorite Evo set of moments was from the Ki- was from the recent Ki game or Killer Instinct, and I always want that game to come back. I still think it's one of the coolest games to watch as a person watching fighting games, just of how that game works. And I would hate to see kind of the non-Sony games get pushed out the door. I got jokes aside about Smash, like it has its place, it has its fans. They can go die in a pit, but that's a separate topic. I, they're fine for like whatever they want. They're just terrible people, fighting game fans. Evo's been cool because it was always Evo, and it was always open to lots of stuff. I want that to continue, and I'd hate to see it kind of get ruined as a result of that. But at the same time, Sony's doing stuff like putting their games on, um, you know, PC and shit, so maybe they'd be open to that type of stuff. Uh, would be really cool is if they could, like, dig out some old arcade cabinets that Sony obviously has in, like, a basement somewhere and bring back some old-school fighting games that were just bullshit. Like, maybe this is how we finally get a new Virtua Fighter. Yeah. Sony's just like, what do you want, Virtua Fighter? We'll go buy a Virtua Fighter. Oh, God, that'd be so cool. Like, Virtual Fighter Evo Edition. Like I'm just happens. looking forward to uh, them them's fighting herds getting rolled into Evo again. Give it give it a chance. Yeah. It's a great game. People seem to like it enough. It could be cool. Uh, they've got even new characters coming out. And a, a, a 2.0 version of the game will be out soon as well. So, yeah. It's one of those ponies just called, like, Sony. <laughs> Well, you know, there's only one pony in the game. The pony named Sony? No. No. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. There's only, like, one actual, like... There's, like, a unicorn in the game, and that's kind of it. All the other characters are other types of animals. At the risk I guess of getting the... us into this, like, aren't all unicorns technically... I, I know, it's it's the equestrian aspect at that point. They're all horses, technically. Yeah, so you got a unicorn in there. That's a pony, basically similar design, and there's a kind of a fire pony, I guess, but all the other characters are Phoenix just Equine, different. got it, got it. Yep. All the other characters are just other Equine? types of animals, like sheep and cattle, and... Whoa, 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 hold up. They're making a sheep fight a horse? Yep. That seems a little bit fucked up. Oh, no, no, it's... It's, it's actually... There's some really cool mechanics to that game. I, I like it because I look forward mechanic- to seeing some top tier play of that thing. As much as I like to rag on that game, like I, I'd still like it's a fighting game oh, played God, by masters. I want to watch that. Well, it's be- every character is has different mechanics. Like, well, you know, in most games, it's like yeah, okay, it's, if one character has air dashing, all characters have air dashing. In this game, one character has air dashing. 
Like, it's one character can run, like, instead of, like, dodging. It's, it's, yeah, it, that's why it's seen as such sort of, that's why you see a lot of sort of kind of yeah, heavy fighting game players playing it because it's like, it's pitting game mechanics against each other, not just characters, and that's kind of fascinating. Like, that's that's so completely different from any other fighting game I've ever played, where you all the characters have wildly different mechanics to play. But, anyways. Is there a grapple deserves... character? Yeah. Yeah, I'm in. Fuck it. Or to Evo at this point. Yeah, that's the big Sony news this week. Uh, yeah. If you were to tell me, yo, Sony's going to buy Evo in 2020, I'd be like, okay, cool, whatever. What other bullshit you going to say? And then I think I'll go back to that same or sage and be like, okay, what else happens this year? This year's been weird already. We're like three months in. Yeah. Microsoft turns into a giant robot. Okay, that's a given at this point. Yeah, we're expecting the that Xbox one. Tron is obviously under development. Mm-hmm. Singularity happens. Yeah, sure. Fuck it. Why not? Want to talk about Riot real quick? Sure. Get through that and get back to some of these more fun stories. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, uh, I guess kind of the latest aspect of the ongoing Riot legal proceedings? I don't even know what to call it at this point. Circus show? Three ring circus show? Uh, spectacle. Shit show. Shit show, rolling, yeah. Rolling shit show. Yeah, yeah, so Riot hired a outside contractor of some kind to essentially investigate the claims about uh, CEO um, Nicolo Laurent, I think I'm pronouncing that name, but I don't really care at this point, for the ongoing and admittedly kind of numerous accusations revolving around sexual harassment and discrimination and this kind of bro-slash-boy culture that's become emblematic of well work at Riot. And on one hand, we have to at least partially respect the fact that a third-person consulting special committee has said these results. On the other hand, it's a shocker that, uh, well, uh, they have found no evidence of wrongdoing. Shocker, because, alright, so the special committee, well, the special committee that hired them is made of three members of Riot Games Board of Directors. And the third-party investigators are a law firm known for representing companies in labor negotiations. So, ha! They found that the company's innocent. Big goddamn fucking surprise. I feel pretty confident in this one, basically summarizing it as Riot finds Riot not guilty of thing that they're accused of and sure to be acting really hard at trying to get out of a more fair legal dispute to a situation that might favor them because I, I yeah, like it, 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 you just kind of play the numbers at this point, just the number of accusations, the amount of effort they're putting into to getting it out of a more formal court proceeding into arbitration again after kicking it out of arbitration something's up. Like, it, it just kind of play the facts at that point, regardless of kind of what the accusations are. There's something sus going on here, just at base value. Yeah, I mean, California state regulators who generally don't have, like, a... Like, they they don't side with one or the other, necessarily. Yeah. There's not a record of that. They say that the settlement should be $400 million. Like, 
holy shit, that's a large fucking number. Yeah. Like, yeah, Riot makes lots of money, but that's a pretty big fucking chunk. I mean, all this says to me is they wanted to have some way of saying we're not guilty because if they claimed... All right, so if this came out and said that they were guilty, or, you know, if the... This you know this third party investigation bullshit actually came out and said no he he is guilty. We would have fucking heard about it if they came out and said yeah this is well, wrong. No here. no then that would have that would have been detrimental to their ongoing lawsuits. This was a publicity stunt to to uh, basically because if it came out with the opposite thing that he was guilty that he was guilty then that would have fucked them in their ongoing lawsuits. So they did this specifically so that they could have something against the lawsuit. Oh, well, we hired a third-party investigation. Who cares if that third party is known for being on the side of companies over employees? But yeah, total total horse shit, and it's obvious why they did it. It's obvious why, like, why they came out with the, with the conclusion they did, is they would be fucked otherwise. So yeah, also, stop giving Riot your money. Riot sucks. Yeah. I Most of this is a PR stunt so they can bring back the CEO, who I believe has been on some form of still paid, but like not officially dismissed, but kind of like removed from the company temporarily. But yeah, this is not the last of it. And again, like make of this what you will, but we're definitely skeptical of its actually validity. Especially Especially given the other news that happened kind of surrounding this, and it may have flown under many people's radars because, well, it's it doesn't seem like a big deal, but it might be one of the more telling parts of this thing out there. Alienware, a company that is owned by Dell and has worked really hard to not kind of have an impact in any way, shape, or form when it comes to stances on anything, has... Yeah ended its sponsorship deal with Riot over these same allegations. And I, I don't have a lot of good say about Dell. Like for a long time, they were people that made PCs that, dude, you were getting a Dell kind of thing was the whole joke about. Like, they were fine if you paid enough money. Alienware is Alienware. Like, it's great if you want to throw money at the problem, but also you're overpaying through the nose. But it's, it's kind of a big fucking deal yeah. because Dell's a powerhouse. And Alienware is still wildly popular yeah, brands, and I'm sure that they were probably providing quite a bit of money to support the esports stuff. And now that's gone, and the partnership is gone, and that also is a bad fucking look when you lose a major partnership with a company that generally s- tends to stay out of and, any fucking battles, like and you said. Often doesn't care about any of this stuff typically. Too. Yeah, like this is not. This was not their first kind of what you'd call a maybe controversial partnership, like, but the fact they're dropping this one and citing this seems to be, at least in my mind, a bit of an indicator where it's like, okay, yeah, you can find all the internal shit you want, Riot, but Dell is distancing itself from you. That's kind of like, that would like, that. that's in my mind, like IBM getting out there and saying, yo, we're going to end this partnership, and you're sitting there going, don't you guys make, like, missile guidance systems? No, don't you? Maybe. And you have problems yeah. with this. Yes. But yeah, that's that's actually pretty fucking big because yeah. they, I mean, they ended this early. It was slated to end, like, next year. But, yeah, it's, 
I think that just that see the thing is, and and I'm really surprised about this that the board members would pull such a you know the board members of Riot would pull such a stunt when board members should be concerned with the company's public image and profits and uh, with this like with the the fact that they decide I I feel like that is tied in the fact that they came out with this this bullshit decision has a lot to do with with uh, Alienware saying uh, you're obviously not going to actually deal with your bullshit. You've just given us a clear sign that you have no intention, that Riot has no intention whatsoever of dealing with what's going on in the company. We no longer, Dell no longer wants to have any part with you. Well, I think it's one of those ones where we've talked about this in the past, where the Riot saying one thing and they're acting in a way that maybe doesn't contradict what they're saying. It does contradict. But it does, yeah. Like It's one of those ones where it's like, yes, arbitration does favor them. Remember, they kicked stuff out of arbitration at one point, and now it's in legal cases. And they're now trying and to bring stuff back to arbitration. And that's not typically how that goes. Yeah, and like I said, with the, you know, this bullshit, you know, you know, conclusion of their investigation, their own investigation into it. I think that basically told everybody, including Dell, that Riot Games has no intention whatsoever of dealing with what's going on at their company. Like, they have... Whereas, like, say, you know, and we've talked about Ubisoft a lot, Ubisoft seemed to have made a lot of action to try to deal with it. Yeah. They fired a shitload of higher up people, like of of heads of studios. They got rid of heads of studios over it. I'm like, well, that's at least action. In this case, Riot Games has done literally nothing. Not only that, now they're outright denying it, like completely and utterly denying it. And yeah, if I was if I was Dell's Dell's board of directors, I'd be like. Yeah, no, we do, we we do not want to be associated with the Riot Games brand well, anymore. I think it's one of those That's ones where just... you can operate a certain level of ambiguity until you can't. And what I was yeah. kind of starting to say was that the whole idea that like Riot has consistently acted where they're saying one thing, but they have rapidly dissolved any ambiguity they had going on that topic. We're like, and again, we, we've been talking about this topic for what two, three years now. It feels like almost a while, and. Oh, yeah. It's never been, it's always been kind of going in one direction of Riot slowly but surely making more and more decisions that, like, by themselves would be, okay, whatever, large company does shitty thing, fine. But when it's on this track, it's like, man, you guys are scrambling hard to avoid something happening. And, yeah, I think everyone else is catching on to the fact where it's like, okay, yeah, the, the, the we've had the scale tip from professionally you could be like oh yeah there's this legal thing going on and yeah it doesn't affect us yet the other companies are now looking at it going okay maybe it's time to distance ourselves because this could be some fallout shit not fall off the game but like it's gonna have a radius on it like this is the type of shit that ends coming very hard to shift this whole topic around in a lot of ways that like if people weren't so sure they had a case and if people weren't so sure that Riot would lose that case. Like, again, like we've on several occasions talked about how big corporations can kind of just wait someone out, and they've been trying that. And it hasn't worked yet, and they've started to move pieces yep. around. And 
when a corporation starts moving pieces around like this, that's a bad sign, because that means they're like, oh shit, our normal tactic didn't work. Ah, fuck. Mm-hmm. Probably enough about Riot, though. Like, yeah, we'll continue to talk about this as it unveils itself. Let's go to a happy palate cleanser, if you will. Ironically, about a game that we don't always have a lot great to say about it, given some of its predatory aspects when it comes to financial stuff. But, uh, yeah, so GTA Online has for a long time had a bounty where if you could find things that were fundamentally wrong with the game, they would pay you money for it. And a player of that game got out there and said, yo, I found a thing that you could basically, like, what's it, boost your load times by 80% almost or something? Yep. And he said that. Did it? Showed Matt some kind of cool videos. It's like, yeah, I did this thing, and then Rockstar took that, implemented, and gave the guy ten thousand bucks for it. Yeah, and I have to say, they they actually got specific, and whereas the the this particular player did talk about the fix, that makes all the sense in the world. So it's like basically some of the to to not go into too deep into it. Some of the all right, so there are ways of sending information back and forth between servers, between a player and a server. They're, one of the ways that they're using was wildly inefficient. One of the technologies that they're using to send JSON uh, data was wildly inefficient. And that was one of the proposed fixes. The player was like, hey, don't use that library. It's shit. It's fucking terrible for sending information. And so, yeah, uh, yeah. So it gets, it gets, like I said, it gets pretty specific. You can actually look into it. There, the the person made a website all about it. And so, yeah, there's <laughs> this person went down to use a disassembler to look into the assembly code, and it's just. Yeah, uh, there's there's weird stuff going on, but a lot of it is with the JSON parsing, and it's just like poor packaging of data to send back and forth between like player and server, and yeah, and then this person proposed a much better way of basically creating packets, essentially, and to use a better way of sending information and data. But yeah, it's yeah, I've looked over the code. It's like. Yeah, actually, that would make it a lot faster. <laughs> like, way faster. Like, as far to their, they did their own uh, benchmarks on it, but i looking at the code and I'm like, as a programmer, that's legit. Yeah, that will definitely speed shit up. Like, that's actually some clever, uh, uh, c- very clever fixes. So, yeah. Pretty cool, honestly. Like, very cool. I'm, I'm impressed. I'm impressed that somebody took the time to actually yeah. go in and like use a disassembler and break down the code and take a look at it and find out something's wrong, and then say, "Hey, here's a better way to do that thing you were doing really horribly." But yeah, it's really just about like, yeah, the way the data is being sent when it comes down to it, and more efficient ways of loading up the data. And storing it even, but yeah. yeah, retrieving, storing, yeah, fascinating, absolutely congrats, fascinating. Congrats to me, GTA anyway. Fan. Yeah, congrats, little <laughs> GTA fan, your ten thousand dollar payout. Keep doing the good work, I guess. Yeah, 
it's cool people do that, and it's cool Rockstar actually followed through with their poll. Yeah, we pay people to do this shit if they find it. Yeah. Speaking of money, I guess, let's make an awkward transition over to Google Play for a second. And Google Play kind of quietly in the background, given that whole epic Fortnite lawsuit getting going on right now, uh, has chosen to make some changes to how it distributes the wealth on its platform, I guess. So they're also choosing to take this kind of first million approach, which it this does, in theory, actually help a lot of people out there developing for the Google Play Store in a fundamental way. Basically, it cuts in half how much the devs lose on the first million they sell, and then it goes back to the traditional market, which is great. Starting July 1st, um, they're dropping the kind of cut Google would take from 30 to 15 until you make a million bucks, and that's back to that 30%, which, I don't know, I still think it's too high for how this type of split works, but at least... It opens it up to more indie devs that are trying to get their work on there and trying to make a living off of it. Like it's, you can now affordably, hypothetically, make a game that does well. As long as it doesn't do too well, I guess, but also it does that well, you're fine at that point, hypothetically, and put it on the Google Play Store and maybe make some money off of it. This is always a good thing. Yeah, and so the interesting thing is that it, like, it's a tiered approach in that even if you make over a million. That first million will still only have the half cut, the fifteen percent yeah. cut on it. Uh, whereas Apple's, if you went over the million, then all of it would be it retroactively due. gets bumped up. Yeah, yeah. So that's actually pretty good. And their their claim is it will benefit ninety nine percent of Google Play developers. Which honestly, I that's probably not wrong considering how many small apps there are on Google Play. Like, there's a ton. We've kind of mentioned the fact that, you know, unlike the Apple Store, they don't really... It's not tightly policed in the same way. Uh, Not as much. It's a bit of a nightmare realm. So there's a lot of small apps on there, and all of them, many of them would benefit. So, yeah, I don't know. That's I think it's a pretty big deal. Hopefully it'll be a good thing. I've, yeah, the Google Play Store is still kind of a living nightmare, but yeah, <laughs> I also suspect this will now lead to a bunch of games that have cash grab off the gate and maybe peter off. But I don't. Um, let's get into some just kind of game specific news for a little bit. Actually, most of the rest of our stuff is we have a release date for that big beefy director's cut of Disco Elysium, the thing that when they announced it got me to actually buy that game in a more meaningful way. Uh, yeah, it comes out March 30th. I am very excited for that thing. It adds controller support to the PC version, I believe. I think that's when that thing's coming. It adds a bunch of stuff to that game. We've been complimentary of this game in the past. I, for one, cannot wait to play the big, massive, cool version of it. Uh, they say is the done product, if you will. So, yeah, no, March 30th. It's coming. Big, beefy version of Disco Elysium. I got it on sale, so I am super stoked to play that when it finally drops. Outriders uh, is co- oh just but little little add on to that with Disco Elysium, it has been refused classification in Australia and yes. that's a big deal, which means it's not can't be sold there yet. Yeah. They're going to have to make some changes or explain some things before it gets released in Australia. So sorry, I'm curious to- what got them locked up on that because based on what that game is, I can't imagine like based on everything else Australia's been cool with up till this point. I'm not sure what you could put into that game. That would cause problems in Australia. 
but what do I know? Uh, it's it's a very strict regulator. Like That's the classification fair. is really probably one of the strictest outside of Germany. Mm. Like Germany also is still pretty pretty strict, but Australia is even more strict on its media stuff. But especially when it comes to video games, but. That's just Australia. Yeah, I guess it's... Uh, my mind always uses the GTA scale where it's like, is there more in this game to object to than GTA 5? No? Then what's the problem? Yeah, it's it's weird. It's I, I, think, I think we'll probably... We're likely to see some changes with their classification system in Australia because it's... It's... N- it, it it reeks of the whole video games are uniquely bad idea. You know, that video games is somehow way worse than TV that does the, you know, TV or movies that portray the exact same things. So, but yeah, in any case, yeah. Uh, yeah. I just wanted to drop that in. Because that is relevant. Yeah. And the game's out very soon, so. Well, the expansion of the game's already out. Can we enjoy it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, the expansion, yeah. that is, yeah. Moving on from that, Outriders is coming to Xbox's Game Pass, kind of following that Destiny route, which is a big deal for that community, especially if you're on Xbox. Mm-hmm. I, for one, look forward to playing it on PC and matchmaking with people on Xbox or whatever. <laughs> this does not appear to work, though. If you have the Xbox, does not come to the PC version of Game Pass. It only seems to affect the uh, first-party stuff for Xbox. So if you were hoping to get it for free, that doesn't work. But hey, Xbox, congratulations. Another ongoing service game you can get for free off that Game Pass. As long as it keeps on there. Moving on from that, though. Dark Alliance. or Sorry, Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance is probably the more official title. What I'm going to refer to as the edgier brawler cousin of Baldur's Gate. It got unveiled. It looks like a brawler. It's multiplayer. You go against missions. It's a hack and slashy type of thing. It's coming... uh, June 22nd, so look forward to that, I guess. Uh, At least for me, the trailer for this didn't exactly fill me with hope for this game being good. There are certain cuts and certain framing elements that when you throw them in a trailer like this, especially for a $40 game, the hair on the back of my neck stands up and I go, oh, cool, it's a $20 Walmart game. Neat. (laughs) But if you're looking for a non-turn-based introduction to D&D lore and you can play with your friends, this might be a thing you're into. It's got swords, it's got dungeons, it's got giants, it's canonical-ish, I guess. I, It's got Diablo vibes to it, I guess. That's probably what's going to play similar to, but probably from a third-person perspective. I know in one of the kind of groups I'm in, we've been talking about it some, and yeah, if if you watched the Borderlands 3 trailers that came out and saw this, and, and off of those were kind of going... This seems like this game might be bad. Same vibes off this. Yeah, there's... I don't know, there's... Yeah, something about it, I don't know. I'm not, We're I'm trying not sure. to something... be edgy, man. Don't you get how this is for the hardcore crowd? That Baldur's Gate shit, that's for the casuals. You want to hack, it looks, you want to slash? It looks... Somehow, even though the graphics are high-res and everything, it's, it looks... Cheap? Yeah, it's again, it's a forty dollar uh, game. I uh, yeah, there's something about it that looks cheap. I'm I can't put my finger on it really. Yeah. Again. Uh, just, yeah. Hmm. Weird. 
Yeah, you want to stab some liches, you want to stab some giants, you want to fight some environmental traps, I guess. Uh, yeah, it's got a beholder. I have a small yeah. beholder, but I, yeah, I'm sure I'm being disingenuous to this, but also we've all seen games like this in the past, so I feel pretty confident saying things about this the way we're saying it. Like, if you're missing Gauntlet, maybe you'll dig this. If yeah. you're hoping this is just a third-person action version of Baldur's Gate, this is, yeah, any time ogres play guitar in a trailer for a game like this, part of my brain goes, yeah, it's probably going to suck a little bit. Cool. <sighs> Yeah, but that's me being cynical, I guess. Moving on from that, Gotham Knights got delayed until 2022. No big surprise there. I'm now waiting on the announcement that the uh, Suicide Squad game that sure fucking looks similar to that game got delayed or merged into that game. We may never know if that ever actually happens, but mm-hmm. yeah, that's a thing. Uh, unsurprised on the delays we're going to be getting moving forward, but yeah, no. That's a thing. And since apparently we talk about Warhammer 40k bullshit on this podcast and have a little too much frequency, uh, the timing just seems right to talk about this. So uh, Necromunda Hired Gun is landing June 1st. So for those who don't know what Necromunda is, within the world of 40k, there are, they kind of focus on the military aspects. Necromunda was a variety of things, I think the most popular of which was a kind of strategy combat game or also just a straight-up role-playing game at one point that took place in the city of Necromunda, a giant hive city. Like, take New York and then stack Los Angeles on top of that like a thousand times and then make it so you can never leave. It's kind of like a big O dome situation, except without the dome, there's just nothing around it and it's millions if not billions of people living in a giant stacked city kind of like that hong kong is the stacked city that actually exists in the real world shanghai maybe i'm not sure there's, a, there's an allegory in the real world for this type of stuff that is kind of on steroids where the top is great the bottom is terrible and necromunda takes place in that world you play a bounty hunter you have a cyber dog you command with a rat if you're into this type of shit, you're into this type of shit. If you're not into this type of shit, you're clear. It's more Warhammer stuff. It's got a very specific vibe to it. The developer behind it's also an interesting developer that their last game wasn't terrible, but wasn't great either. So, approach to the grain of salt. It looks pretty as hell. Like, the gunplay seems competent. That's never a problem with the previous one either. I don't think if anyone on this podcast will be checking it out, but hey, if you're a fan of Necromunda, here's a version that might not suck, unlike the five others that came out this year that did. Womp womp. Yeah, I, the last Necromunda game, which I was kind of more of an RTS or a turn-based strategy game at least, was plagued with a variety of kind of hilarious glitches and badness. It played like, I think it was Valkyrie Chronicles technically, where it was like, your turn was a third-person shooter, but you took turns doing it, so that was the whole thing. But you could, like, beast in that game by just placing all of your... Like, if you're fighting a melee opponent, you just had them get on top of something, and the melee AI would never figure to climb on top and attack you. Mm. Yeah, it was not the same company. Like, admittedly, they're better than that. Like, the last one this company made was the Death Guard game, I think? I'm getting the wrong Terminator faction, but... It was people in big, heavy Terminator with big, heavy Terminator weapons killing Tyranids in a 
Hulk, and multiplayer was cool. The single player, not so much, but the multiplayer was cool. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, I know. That's a thing. You can go play it in June 1st. Uh, rejoice, Necromunda fans. Hail Chaos, or whatever. I don't know. I don't follow Warhammer anymore. Not exactly a big game release, but we got some details. The next big cyberpunk patch. 1.2. The fact it's big enough we actually have a news article about the patch is probably the most telling thing possible. They are adjusting some things. I think the most funny part of this is that uh, if those who have played that game, the cop situation in that game is a little bit much. They are kind of... (laughs) teleporty onto your ass instantaneously and they are addressing that thank god uh it was a little bit ridiculous previously especially because the cops in that game are powerful and dangerous and it's hard to predict how they're going to react to you doing things even when you help them out which is a whole thing yeah they're improving driving they're uh Offering key bindings. A lot of this stuff is just general fixes people have asked for. It's no new content to the game, necessarily. They're making you unstick your cars, which is great. Uh, yeah, I... It seems like good stuff. I'm not sure it's enough. Like, I stopped playing that game, waiting for the big updates to actually start hitting, so I didn't get myself totally burned out. But yeah, they're fixing the cop spawn issue, finally. Thank God. I look forward to when we're talking about 2023's Game of the Year edition of... Uh, Cyberpunk being a really good game when they've spent a lot of time fixing it. And me being like, I remember back when this game was shit, but also oddly fun. We're going to leave off the biggest game announcement news, though, for the for this until the end of it, because it just makes everything else in comparison seem fragile and insignificant. So we're going to kind of jump back to our normal news for a quick second. Uh, GeForce Now, uh, what's a service we've been pretty complimentary of the past, is increasing their price from... $5 a month to $10 a month. Not surprising uh, if you're using that service. Sorry about the literal doubling of your price, but also 5 bucks a month was suspiciously low for as long as it was. Yeah, uh, they are keeping the price intact for people who came in as a founder. That's cool. Like, so if you if you did indeed like start early, they're going to keep the 4.99 price in place. For, for people who like myself who did well, I don't know if it'll work for me because I'm not I'm not paying now but I joined as a founder but I don't, I don't know but we'll uh, I'm not sure about that that's not clear but yeah interesting though that they're that they're doing that that they're sort of yeah rewarding the people who bought in early I guess. And that service is here to be kind of one of the best options out there for cloud gaming, as best we can tell. Like, the Xbox One seems to be the other big one that's not fully unveiled yet, but, like, better than Stadia, it's better than Amazon's, it's better than really almost anything out there, as best we can tell. Like, it's it's a solid platform. It had its glitches to it and some rough edges, but you were more or less happy with it pretty consistently, weren't you? Yeah. I... Yeah, and recently, more recently, they put in the ability to where now it can just, you can link it with your Steam account, and so it can just tell you what you can play on it. Yes, it is, you know, connected to accounts. Yeah, that weird license but, you know, thing we've been talking about. But yeah, uh, down some. but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, now, yeah, it can, it can scan your, scan your, 
basically Steam library and then just tell you straight up, all right, these are the games that you own that you can play on Stadia or just play on GeForce Now. So next up. 2K has officially acquired PGA Tour dev HB Studios, meaning they now own that golf game, if you will. And more importantly, they're bringing back the Tiger Woods to the golf game. It's no longer just that generic golf game. It's probably going to be a return of Tiger Woods, PGA Tour, or something like that. Yep. No idea why they aren't doing that in the past, but we're going back to that probably. So, yeah. Congrats, golf game fans. Uh, bring back Outlaw. Second to last, but arguably one of the more important topics this week of talk, among several other important topics, I guess, we get to have our fun last silly news of the week. Let's talk about Devotion, a game that's had just, calling it a roller coaster of a ride to this point, seems disingenuous, like a free fall from orbit while riding a roller coaster. That's on fire and being built simultaneously. Does that feel more accurate in some ways? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's definitely weird. It, its path to easily accessible purchasing has been wrought with weirdness and promises and being pulled off store shelves. So, for those who don't remember, Devotion is a game by Red Candles, uh, same company that makes the game Henry talked about earlier. This is the game that China had some big issues with, and as a result, it was on Steam, and then pulled from Steam, and that was going to show up on GOG, and then that didn't happen, and there was kind of some weirdness about where you get, there was a physical release you could buy in certain circumstances, I think I talked about trying to get into, and lots of twisty twiny to this point, you can now buy it directly from their website. I think it's like 16 bucks or something like that, at least in the US. Yeah, you, yeah, you can go to 60? Like 20. Sorry, so it's, I meant to say 16, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's a uh, yeah. Just go to redcan shop dot dot com and yeah, and yeah. I I talked about detention earlier. Fantastic game. I actually just went and bought devotion. I actually yeah. like. I was like, you know what? I have twenty dollars to yeah. drop for the deluxe edition, which comes with the OST, and so I just bought it. I haven't touched it yet. I may play it this week possibly but yeah it's i'm excited to play it i just the premise just what i've heard of it and what i've seen of it looks very cool and just in yeah being freshly kind of uh, so you know, uh, fresh fresh play of invigorated detention detention yeah. has just like made me really excited for it like because detention is really good but you can buy both Attention and Devotion on their on their website now for thirty three bucks. That, yep, that's pretty exciting. Detention's a great game. I'm sh- I'm sure Devotion is too. And it's too bad we won't see the physical copy that they actually sold for a while. I in still Taiwan. wish I bought that. I found a way to buy it. It was like ah, this is too much money. Yeah, yeah, it'd be pretty expensive to import it. But I'm sure some people are selling it, possibly. But in any case, now you can buy a DRM-free versions of both games. And I would recommend it, honestly. I think that, yeah, I, Detention is so good that it made me just want to buy Devotion. And also, fuck the CCP, or and fuck everybody, like Steam and 
Gog for basically kowtowing to despots. Yeah, like, yeah, especially like, you know, Gog's, you know, CD Projekt Red, you know, who owns Gog's CDPR, you know, makers of fine, glitchy games. They they put out a statement like, because we were contacted by gamers, total bullshit, we decided not to list the game in the store. It's like, yeah, since when, to, when is Winnie the G a gamer? Yeah, fuck you, we know what actually happened. Like, yeah, but, and, yeah, Taiwan and its independence is still a, uh, if you want to read about that, read about it, it's a whole other thing, but, yeah, I'm, I highly recommend picking it up. I did myself already, as soon as I, basically as soon as I saw the news, I was like, oh, awesome, I'm, I'm literally just going to go buy that because it's not very expensive at all. You too can own a controversial chunk of gaming history for all the wrong reason controversial. Yeah. Well, you know, it's also made its way into Harvard's digital library. Yeah. I think we did report on that one. But I think so. Yeah. But yeah, so it, it's definitely already a part of gamer history. Yeah. Like in a, in a, a very official way. No devil's third. But yeah, this is arguably better. God, I wish I'd bought the physical edition of this thing. I'd own it and hold it in my hands. Well, last but not least on our tour de force of news this week, we have news that I at least was unbelievably excited to see happen that I didn't even know I was coming and I was being denied this, but now that I know it's a thing that's coming, I can't wait. The only news article in our list that's in full caps, we have an official release date in the Western world. Shin Megami Tensei 3 aka Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne HD Remastered. It comes out May 25th. Get rabid, you fuckers that listen to this podcast that know what I'm talking about. It's still one of the best RPGs ever fucking made by a company that makes unbelievably good JRPGs. Yeah. And has made a shit ton of them. Yeah. If if you're looking for the game that, like, Persona fans wish Persona was, go check out Nocturne. If you're looking for one of the hardest, most brutal, with a story and a message and a variety of other things that when this game first came out, you didn't do in RPGs, go check this game out. Like, I... I'm not going to say it's the most important RPG made in a long time, but it's up there kind of thing. Like, for what this game did when it came out, it was a very big deal people slept on. And if this does well, I'm really hoping we get Digital Devil Saga remake now, or remaster, because that would make me really happy. Yep. Nocturne is better, but Digital Devil Saga plays a little bit better, it's a little more contemporary. And you get to be were-demons, which is cool, but... Yeah. yeah. In the second game, at half-demon form, which was a whole other cool thing, but yeah, I... Digital Devil Saga and Nocturne are two of the kind of pinnacles of the RPG world. Like, they are better in my mind than the Persona games have ever been, and if you listen to this podcast, you know how much I fucking love Persona 4 and 5. Mm-hmm. I, it's... I get hyped, I guess. Like, it's Nocturne. You can play Nocturne again easily. It's coming to PC, I think, which is a huge fuck. 
Oh, you know, I just today I learned also, or just now I learned, yeah. uh, Detention has a Netflix show. Huh. I didn't know that. It came out in 2020. But I think, I don't think we reported on that. I think we missed that. But that's interesting. I'm kind of interested in watching that yeah. now. But yeah. I just but in any case, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to this comes to DC or not. Uh, pretty sure it does. Uh, that's a big super maybe. Yeah. Let's see. Um, I'm trying to find it now. Yeah, I don't really see. Uh, we're, no, it looks like. Uh, yeah, yeah, PC. Yeah. Yeah. This is coming on Steam. Yeah. It's coming on Steam, so. You know, the Steam app for PlayStation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. P- PS4 Switch, surprisingly, and Steam. Yeah, so you have lots of options to play one of the best RPGs ever made. And again, like. If you're trying to get a sense of how big a deal this game is, this was this is the game that in a lot of ways put the Shin Megami Tensei franchise on the map for a lot of people and kept it mm-hmm. on the map. Like they were good games before this, but there's a reason that like people like I, I guess me to a certain extent, like Jeff back when he's still on the podcast, call this game Nocturne. It is so much more than just a Shin Megami Tensei game. A franchise of already truly fantastic RPGs, but They've never quite scratched the ceiling that was Nocturne. Like it's, yeah. I, I hate saying like it's almost a perfect game, but like for what this game was trying to do, I don't know how you could make it better. Like it's the the thing they've done is they have like, they have a more a not so hardcore accessibility mode to it, which is fucking great because this game was brutal, but also warts brutality on its sleeve, being like, yeah, this is the hardest RPG you're potentially ever going to play. By design. Get ready, yep. fuckers. Yep. We were Dark Souling before Dark Souls even a glint in someone's eye. But yeah, it's also Pokemon, technically. Yeah. Pokemon. And they, you know, th- and there is a sort of kid-style spin-off called uh, Demi Kids. Yeah. Uh, in Japan, known as Devil Children, <laughs> which yeah. is the much better title. Yeah. <laughs> I have remembered the phrase that someone said to me to sell this game way the fuck back when, and it's what got me into this. If you ever played Pokemon and wondered why the traders occasionally hit weaker Pokemon with a stick because they're weak, this is the game that lets you do that finally. Because your player character is very much designed to be up in that shit along with your creatures. And it's cool oh, as a result. I also just love the fact that it's also you you dialogue with the demons yeah. that you meet. Like, you, you, there's dialogue trees for all of the fucking demons. Yeah. If you thought that whole kind of recruitment system in Persona 5 was cool, this is the game it kind of came from. Oh, yeah. No, this is absolutely the game it kind of came from. It was kind of full circle for Persona 5 and- because the first kind of actual Persona game was not Persona. It was called It. It was Shin Megami Tensei If. Yeah. Dot, dot, dot. And that actually was the first Persona game. Yep. Like, it even includes characters that later appear in, like, Persona 1 and 2. But, yeah, uh, this is big news, and I'm going to be picking it up when I can. I, I, uh, again, like, if you want to get another kind of cultural touchstone for this, this is the RPG where Dante shows up. Yep. Devil May Cry, real-ass Dante is a character you get to have in your party at one point. And he's not even the main character, he's just kind of there being like, yo, I'm in hell. 
He chases you down, yeah. too. And a character from another one of the games also appears as well. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah. That's going to be fucking cool. I'm so excited. But, yeah, that, that's it for news this week. Uh, thank you for bearing with us. We've been all over the place a little bit news-wise lately, and this was a little bit longer, but hopefully you enjoyed. Tried to get that uh, pacing of good and bad and just occasionally weird more even keel for you this week. We know it can be a tad jarring with some frequency. But yeah, so I'm saving all of the emails for next week because mm. we did get a couple emails, and obviously we don't have our guest here. We I appreciate some of the weird shit we got from our listeners. Uh, keep being weird, you wonderful bastards. Bastardettes, I'm not quite sure what the right phrase for that one is. You monsters that listen to this podcast, thank you for continuing to do so. Uh, yeah, so keep saying that stuff in. I'm holding them till next week. When we're going to do that, we will have a guest. I talked about it last week. But again, uh, what what's the fuck? It was the show again. I'm blanking on it. Uh, it's the Indie Arcade. Yeah. Uh, uh, indie Arcade Podcast. Uh, come on. Uh, I got to look this up because I was just, I was just, I was actually just listening to it last night. Nice. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's it's interesting because it's mainly about you know arcade games like in indie indie made arcade games, which is yeah, that's a a very specific niche audience. Yeah, but yeah, I was yeah I was just listening to it last night, and then for some reason, oh, uh, indie arcade wave. I couldn't remember wave. Yeah, it's it's in the scene in the indie arcade wave. And, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, that's, but yeah, where we will be, we will have that as a, you know, them as a guest. So that's going to be pretty cool. I'm looking forward to it. See how they, uh, (laughs) how they roll into our wonderful mess. We're a unique podcast. (laughs) Yeah. As you, as our listeners have no doubt learned and continue to appreciate, I assume they're, Either they're here because they're waiting for me to finally have a full mental breakdown and finally strangle Alex through the podcast, or they're just here for the ride that we provide every week of, okay, what weirdness are we going to get up to this time? Yeah. They're all like, eventually food's got to be back on the table, so Charlie Lass can start eating terrible food again and and, uh, talking about those goddamn nightmares. But anyways, yeah, that does it for this week, more or less. Anything you want to talk about before we close it out this week, Henry? I'm Kraken Zero, that is Z-E-R Zero on social media, that is Instagram, Facebook, and now introducing Twitter, and of course on Twitch. And if I'm casting on Twitch, I usually will write something on my social media about it. Uh, I haven't, I didn't, just, I was kind of busy, I just had a lot to do last week, so I didn't really end up doing any, uh, doing any streams. But this week I might do a few streams. I have a, uh, have some games I may th- consider playing on <laughs> on stream this week. But in any case, yeah, if I am, it'll be on my social media. Yeah, yeah, that's it for me. Yeah, what about you? Mordak you got and Four K on stuff. Ah, uh, nah, nothing super big right now. Probably in a couple weeks I'll start talking about something. But mm. yeah, no, nothing right now to press. But yeah, oh, check it out. Oh, check us out. Tell your friends. Warn your friends. Threaten your friends. I don't know what the correct way of pushing this one is. Yeah, I 
I suppose I should have said the top of the podcast more than at the end of it in some ways. But yeah, so if you enjoy our madness, go give us a positive review on the whatever platform you listen to us on, if that's possible. If not, go to Apple or whatever. It really helps our visibility, and I don't know what's up with our listener base right now, but I've learned that this podcast is the Schrodinger's cat of listeners. The, le- the less I pay attention to them, the better we seem to do in that category, and acknowledging they exist seems to cause problems when I start pushing the podcast. But we seem to have regained all the people we lost, or downloads are weird, or who knows what. But yeah, if you're still mm. with us, thank you. If not, uh, welcome back, I guess. I'm not sure what the right phrasing for that is. But yeah, go review us, tell your friends, threaten your friends, warn your family. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> if you have someone that likes listening to multi-hour-long rambles and angry talk about video games and apparently Warhammer 40,000 these days, go let them know about us. We'll keep doing our thing. I promise, less Warhammer 40k, unless they keep releasing Necromunda games, and eventually we'll do the full Necromunda episode of me explaining Necromunda, and I'll stab Ooh. myself in the eye halfway through it. Because Necromunda. Oh, that game's a fucking gut punch at every turn. But, yeah. At least, it, at least it's cheaper to play than just Warhammer yes. in general. Everything is cheaper that. than Warhammer. Yeah. Doing coke on a daily basis is cheaper than being a Warhammer player. <laughs> Right? <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, there's a reason, like, I, I gotta, to get into the kind of nitty gritty of hobbies I used to have. There's a reason that for official play, Games Workshop had to instigate rules that said how much of your army has to be quote bought from them because people realized real quick with 3D printing you could make an army for a lot cheaper than it costs to buy one. Oh yeah. You could just print that shit, often with cool little add-ons that people thought were neat, and you could have your own personality to them, and they shut that shit down real quick. But also, mm. the one-quarter model crowd is, I think, a fantastic nightmare of people being like, what if Warhammer was smaller? Mm. But, yeah, now, uh, that's it for this week. I will close it out with a cue the metal. Cue the metal.